Welcome to the first episode of the Hashtag Dynasty Football Podcast, and I'm your host, Jordan Schultz. I'm incredibly excited to be here as I can help you build and win your Dynasty Championships. Um, to kick off and celebrate this new podcast, I'm bringing you a double episode today, and I'm joined by two guests, and we're going to cover two different topics. First, I'm joined by Justin Edwards of 444 and PFF, and we're going to do a deep dive into offensive line play and how it translates to fantasy and Dynasty. We're going to talk about the, some of the big off-season moves, review the draft, and then go over a few of his articles that he's recently written that are all extremely, extremely helpful if you're a Dynasty Fantasy football player. After that, I'm joined by my buddy Matt Hames of the Fantasy Bro, and we run through a realistic Superflex mock draft to give you an idea of some of the guys you may be looking at depending on where you're picking in your startup draft. We go over a ton of information in the show, so I'm just going to get right into it. All right, and now I am joined by a guest that I'm very excited to have on, and that is Justin Edwards. He's going to help me kind of dissect uh, some of the craziness that is the offensive line position and help us kind of make sense of uh, what happened this offseason, some things that we can look at at home to kind of pick up on, like, you know, good and bad offensive line play and how this is all going to translate over to fantasy um, and, you know, your dynasty squads. Um, how are you doing today, Justin? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we kind of talked a little bit before this, and like I said, the offensive line just does not get enough love in the fantasy football circles where it, at least in my opinion, is kind of like one of the biggest things, if not the biggest thing, to like getting an offensive, uh, to getting an offense to run smoothly uh, to turn into fantasy production. Um, you know, let's not waste a lot of time. Let's jump in. we got a lot to talk about. Um, we're going to start with a little bit of an off-season review. Um, we'll get right into it. Uh, who do you think some of the bigger, you know, three to five biggest offensive linemen uh, signings were this offseason, and uh, what are they going to bring to their new teams? Yeah, great question, because this is definitely something that gets overlooked and uh, teams losing uh, key components of their offensive line and teams gaining key components is a big deal and it gets overlooked a lot. Um, I think I'd like to start off talking about a little bit about Brian Balaga, uh, the fact that the Packers let him go. And mm-hmm. of course, it's tough to spend a lot of money on just one offensive lineman when there's five of them and you've got skill position players to pay attention to. Uh Letting him go, I think, was a bit of a mistake. And I think the Chargers really picked up a, a big piece of their offensive line there. Uh, the Chargers ranked 31st in their game start experience last year. So they were a super young line, a bunch of young people. And uh, it showed they ended up being in like the bottom third of my rankings last year. Uh, getting Balaga there to protect Tyrod or Justin Herbert's blindside, I think that's a great signing. Uh, the Browns picking up Jack Conklin, they had a huge... Uh, just just a lack of talent at tackle last year. So getting Jack Conklin to come over from Tennessee, uh, he's one of the best front block, blocking tackles in the league. A huge upgrade of what they had over what they had last season. And uh, kind of a, a lower-rung guy, maybe not a big top-tier tackle. Uh, I really like the signing of Connor McGovern mm-hmm. uh, for the Jets. Uh, he's only allowed three sacks over the last two seasons. He didn't get flagged for a single penalty in 2019, and it was his first full season as a sender. Uh, he's got great mental processing. He should be able to help Sam Darnold maybe take that next step, uh, continue to grow. McGovern will help him call out pass protections and kind of ID, uh, you know, mics and uh, some blitz. Uh, sorry, some uh, some games up the middle. So those are three of my my biggest signings this offseason. 
Yeah, I really like the call on Jack Conklin. Um, I don't think it was much of a secret, you know, that he was kind of the crown jewel of this offensive line free agent class. Um, he ended up coming with the highest average annual annual average value on his contract and be making just under $14 million a year. Um, he's going to really, really help uh, let the Browns rebound off of that disastrous campaign of last year. Yeah. Um, it's going to be crazy seeing uh, Belaga in a different uniform. It just seems like, you know, he's been like Mr. Green Bay for the last decade and getting him out here in sunny California. That's going to be kind of a, a different scene for sure i'm not really sure uh, how that's gonna look that first few time out um, right we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on his uh weight he's gonna be sweating off a few pounds out there yeah were you surprised <laughs> to see the uh the saints retain andres pete i figured he would be a guy that was pretty heavily sought after you know he, he definitely secured the bag on that five-year 57 million dollar deal um were you shocked to see him stay there yeah, I mean a little bit. That's that's a that's that's a good good chunk of change there. Uh, he's had a couple down seasons. Uh, he, he's getting right in it. He's like twenty. He's like twenty seven years old. So yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe he's about to take that next step. But he's had a, he's had a couple down down seasons over there. So yeah, that's that's a big contract for someone who hasn't shown out for a couple years now. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Like I said, I'm not an offensive line expert, but that was like kind of one of the signings that I was a little bit, of, you know, head scratching. You know, of course they have that potential out after the third year, but still, he got he got like that Jack Jack Conklin money, and I just don't really feel like production wise, you know, it's even really close the last few seasons. So that was that was just a little bit of a shock to me for sure. Yeah, they they never they never skimp on that offensive line though. I mean, they just they just took uh, Cesar sorry Cesar Ruiz in the first round as well. So. The, the Saints are never one to skimp on those five dudes up front. Well, if I remember right, when they finally moved on for Jimmy Graham, they pretty much traded him, uh, traded him straight across for a center, right? Right. Yeah. Um, oh man. Ooh. Who? Yeah. This it's it's. I'm missing it right now, but yeah. Dang. Who was that from Seattle? It'll come to me here. Um, yeah. Let's yeah. See. We're, uh, we're, we're Max bad right now. Yeah. Max yeah. 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 Exactly. And he just uh, retired. So. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. They got to reload there to prepare, uh, prepare to uh, defend, or excuse me, to keep that offensive uh, unit behind them upright. Um, looking at like the rookie class this year, um, it was pretty insane. I think we had seven total offensive linemen off the board in the first round, and I want to say like five in the top eighteen or nineteen. Um, which impact rookies are you most excited about? And who do you see making an impact? You know, from day one right away. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to discount any of them really. I mean, if you're going in the first round as an offensive lineman. It's not a sexy position, so you have to be showing something out. Um, a lot of talent in the trenches in this draft. We'll see how well they all meld together in this limited offseason. Um, it's almost unfair for this rookie class, but it's going to be—I mean, it's going to be across the board, across positions. Every offseason is everyone's offseason is is going to be stinted. So we'll see. Um, I'm—I think I'm going to take the easy road here and just—I think the Giants made a good early first round pick and I know they get a lot of heat for most of their top 10 picks that they keep having because they keep making bad top 10 picks but Andrew Thomas is really going to slide into that right tackle if not that left tackle position real quick Um, he's an immediate net positive no matter where he lines up no matter which side he's going to be better for the run game and the pass game they all had they already had a pretty solid interior so adding him to the outside is going to be a good Good pick there. Um, and then kind of jumping over those other guys in the first round because it's just kind of obvious. Like, of course, they have high upside. That's where they went there. Mm-hmm. I love that the Cardinals got Josh Jones uh, at like the 75th pick over overall, somewhere in the third round. They got him so late. This is like a top four tackle talent. Um, 
I don't even know if he's going to show out this year. He's got a lot to work on. But that kind of that offensive line is kind of in shambles anyways. So if we can kind of look forward for a year or two and kind of watch the progression of Kyler Murray behind a solidifying offensive line, I really like that Josh Jones pick in the third round. Yeah, they got him. Looks like a pick seventy-two. That is really good value oh, yeah, yeah. there. Um, oh, wait. I'm trying to think, there was another guy that got drafted uh, third, fourth round. The Cowboys drafted that I was pretty excited about uh, from Wisconsin. Uh, Tyler Biaz. Biaz. Uh, okay. What can you What can you tell me about him? Yeah, I'm honestly not even sure. It's a, a that's a little late. I usually try to dig in about January and start going through the ranks. Yeah. I'm actually not sure. I'll I'll definitely look into him more. Uh, Another guy that went in the third round that I was looking into was uh, Cushenberry. Yeah, he went okay. to uh, Denver. I was I was surprised that he went that late. So I'm kind of looking forward to see if he's going to slide in as a as a guard and maybe push McGovern, who we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. and keep him at center, or if Cushenberry will take over that center spot and push McGovern back to guard, which might kind of lower his ceiling. So hopefully Cushenberry will just slide into a guard position. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm actually not not sure much about a uh, Tyler Biad. How do you pronounce it, Biadas? I think it's Biadas, but it's okay. Biadas. I look forward to checking back in in a few weeks when you tell oh. me that he is going to be the next uh, Travis Frederick replacement for my Cowboys. <laughs> I have nothing to worry about there. <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, kind of like transitioning into that, um, you know, there was a couple teams, uh, especially in that NFC East, that had some pretty big losses to their offensive line. I know Travis Frederick being one, he decided to retire, um, which I don't think was you know overly surprising if you kind of followed his last couple seasons. Yeah. Um, but then a bigger one for the Eagles fans is going to be the loss of Brandon Brooks. To that Achilles injury, um, just kind of help. How how big are each of this lot? How big are each of these losses for each of these teams? You know what what can they do to overcome these losses? Yeah, kind of like what you touched on there. Uh, I mean, it's sad to say, like Frederick was just a Pro Bowl uh, candidate, but that might have been more of a, a voting thing because it was so nice to see him come back from that uh, Guillain-Barré syndrome and actually be able to uh, perform. I mean, some people wither away and aren't able to walk again. So the fact that he was allowed to, or he was able to get back on the field and play was amazing. But I don't know if he was at a Pro Bowl caliber center last year. He -hmm. definitely was in 2017 and 16 and 15. And those, what, five years prior to that. But the drop from where Frederick was last year to if Joe Looney takes over, I don't think it's that drastic. And the fact that that Cowboys line is so stout outside of that, uh, I'm not too worried about him, or I'm sorry, just I'm not that worried about Dallas in general. But the Brandon Brooks injury, I think, is way more devastating than people are even mentioning. Um, I was super stoked about Miles Sanders this offseason. I mean, I even wrote I wrote an article a couple months back about how he's a, a dead set bell cow this year and how he's he'll finish in the top ten, maybe the top eight, maybe the top six. And now I'm not so sure. Brandon Brooks is possibly the best. I don't know if he's the best guard in the league, but he's top five. So missing missing that is going to be huge. Um, the guy who's slotted to take his spot now is uh, Matt Pryor, who is a, a six seven guard, which is a giant Ooh, guard. It's huge. It's literally it's literally 100% tile. It's like as tall as a guard will ever be. But the the problem with being a six seven guard is you can't get leverage to move people, especially in the run game. You might be able to have a reach to keep people at bay and pass protection, but it's hard to get underneath uh, the pads of a a six two nose tackle if you're six foot seven. And I think that's kind of 
been his uh, like railing point, why he hasn't been playing that much. So we'll see if Philadelphia makes a move for someone, but I don't know who's given up a starter cal- starting caliber guard in July. So, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about that one. I've, I've heard rumors that they would want to bring back Jason Peters, but he's mm-hmm. never he's never played a snap at guard as far as I know in 13 years. So I don't understand what the point of that would be. Right. I mean, especially like, I, you know, like you can't really just plug and play, you know, a tackle into a guard, a guard into a center. Like there's some guys that are versatile enough to move around. But I mean, it's not just as simple as like, oh, big guy, stand here, go block. Like there's a lot more that goes yeah. into it for sure. Especially when you're, oh, what is Jason Peters, 38 years old? He's not going to mm-hmm. learn a new position at this point. Right. It'd be tough enough just for him to like, you know, move over to the other opposite tackles, having to kind of start playing out of like that opposite handed stance. Like that would be a bigger right. adjustment than I think a lot of people even realize. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so kind of moving forward here, um, like kind of looking at some of the X's and O's of, like, you know, like watching and breaking down offensive line play, um, like, you know, like there's a few simple tricks that you can kind of learn, um, you know, like if, you know, for example, if your team you're watching, they have a guard that's constantly pulling, um, you know, you can kind of deduct that they're going to be running most of their stuff, you know, out of like angle blocking schemes or power blocking schemes. Um, whereas when you see kind of that unit moving together, you know, that's going to be more of like your zone blocking. But like what individually are kind of some things that fantasy GMs can watch from home to kind of try and judge, you know, who is having a good or a bad day when it comes to the offensive line yeah this is a tough one honestly uh Mm -hmm. i I wish i could give like an easy answer but sometimes it's so difficult to see from that um that sideline view of a cbs fox sunday afternoon game where it's going to be from the sideline it's going to be from the sideline for uh you know 95 percent of the game so it's kind of tough to get into the nuances of hand placement and foot speed of a center or a guard because they're almost constantly covered up by the tackle or tight ends. Um, but the easy thing you can do is like start at the tackle. And if you can start noticing things there, then maybe move inside to some guards. And like you're saying on, on like pin pulls and stuff, when the guards pulling out, then you can start to look at his foot, his foot speed, his foot placement, his angles and his steps, which is something that's super difficult to watch in like an angled sideline view, but kind of just like that old adage about not hearing a ref's name, and not hearing an offensive line lineman's name is a good sign. Like it, it, it's true. Like you don't want to hear about these guys unless you're watching like a, a Ross Tucker broadcast because him as an announcer, he'll start pointing out things. But you know, as a if if Al Michaels is saying an offensive lineman's name, something poor is probably happening, and that's mm-hmm. a good idea to start watching and seeing if you can see that um, continue on. Um, kind of what I and. What I started learning is like not all holding calls are created equal, but if you see a grab early in the game, then you start to watch that guy for the rest of the game. Um, it's a good cue to keep an eye on someone because you're that person's going to be beaten over 70 and 80 snaps in a game. But if they start holding, then you can start to pinpoint are they having trouble when the, the outside rusher is breaking in to get to the inside move? Are they having trouble getting their foot speed out so they're getting beat around the edge and that's why they're grabbing? So unless you just want to turn on a game and pinpoint just one player and watch every single snap, just kind of look for the holding calls. See if you start seeing people get beat inside where the quarterback has to move outside the pocket over and over again. And then just keep an eye on whoever's failing. It's kind of hard to see who's doing great from a normal broadcast, but you can start to see who's doing poorly. So it's really almost one of those, like, no news is good news when it comes to offensive line. Right, right? exactly. I mean, you can train your eye on it for sure, but 
it's so difficult to to pinpoint, you know, just what we said, like hand placement and foot speed on that sideline view. Um, yeah, I mean, if you see a, an outside linebacker consistently getting past the uh, offensive tackle, but he's getting past them eight yards up the field, like that's a win. Just because he's getting into the pocket doesn't necessarily mean that the offensive tackle lost. It just means he's pushing them around the apex of the pocket so far up the field that the quarterback should easily escape that or the receivers should be open or the quarterback's terrible. So it's not even on the tackle. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. Um, what are some other things, like, in terms of, like, you know, looking more at, like, the different types of blocking schemes, uh, you know, more so for run? I mean, like, pass blocking, there's a few extra things here, but for a lot of the, for a lot of it, it's pretty straightforward, you know, like, just, you know, build that pocket, protect the quarterback. Right. But it gets a little, bit, a little bit trickier when you're talking about the run games, um, you know, and, of course, like I mentioned, like, uh, one little trick is, you know, like, watch for the guards. If they're pulling a lot, they're more than likely in, like, an angle or power scheme. Um what about like some other things that they can pick up to try and figure out what type of running scheme they're on? Is there any other like tips or tricks that you know of? Oh, for sure. Uh, the, the best thing to do is just try to look for a power run and look for a gap. I'm sorry. Look for a power or gap run and look for a zone run. Um, power runs are always going to have a predetermined destination or a specific gap. Um, if you don't know, not you, but if a listener, if someone doesn't know what a, a gap is specifically, um, to, to the left side of the line, they're always odd numbers. To the right side of the line, they're always even numbers. So if the running back is running into the two gap, that means they're running to the right of the center and to the left of the right guard. So in that little hole there. Um, the entire job of the line in a power gap run is to get movement at the point of attack and clear that hole out for the running back. Um, in these scenarios, if it's a, a drive block or a, a double team, you'll see these linemen get into these I'm sorry, they'll take one defensive lineman and share that man until one lineman's able to take him completely over, and then the other offensive lineman will head to the second level. It's just the most basic type of run. If It's the most backyard football you can be. It's just run to that hole, the linemen are supposed to clear it out, and the running back's supposed to hit that hole as quick as possible and get to the second level and hopefully beyond. So a power run... A gap run is very basic. Um, you'll see some pin pull kind of things in power runs, but usually it's just clear the hole, get to the second level, shield off the linebacker, and make your running back run as fast as you can north-south. Uh, a zone run is almost always going to be your offensive lineman on the move. So as soon as the snap comes out, all the linemen are going to take one step in the same direction. So if the play is to the right, the snap of the ball, all five linemen are going to take one step to the right and then start moving. They're going to do this to, it's kind of still a gap uh, mm -hmm. essence where the running back's going to want to hit a specific gap or one or two gaps, but the gap is moving. So the linemen have to move with the gap to try to keep this um, uh, gap integrity. And then someone like uh, a LaShawn McCoy or uh, Aaron Jones is going to go outside and then make the defender pick which hip or which shoulder to go at the offensive lineman. And then once the defender decides, that running back is going to go the opposite direction. If the defender goes towards the sideline, like to the right of the offensive lineman, the running back is going to hit the inside hip of the offensive lineman and cut it off from there. Um, so it's really just what... The, the most simple thing you can say is like, if the linemen are going vertically up the field 
and attacking the guy who's covering them, it's probably a power or a gap run. If they start moving to one side or the other and attack the outside or inside shoulder of the defender instead of getting into their chest, it's probably a zone run. Um, all that is to say um, you can look at specific types of teams. Like even to bring it all the way back, Seattle has giant guards and they always draft giant guards. They have these 350 pound behemoth guards to get movement out of the point at the point of attack. And then they take running backs like Chris Carson or even who they just signed in Carlos Hyde. These are North South runners. They're not going to take too many steps in the backfield. They just run forward and then they make their moves in the, in the second level or the third level. I mean, think of like Marshawn Lynch, Marshawn Lynch hit the gap and then he made moves. Um, if you think of like a heavy zone running team, you think of the Packers or the 49ers, all of their guards are like 300 pounds felt dudes who can get out of their stance and start running horizontally to confuse the defense and make them pick one side or the other running backs in those offenses are typically shifty guys like Aaron Jones, who I mentioned, or like even Raheem Mostert. He's not the most agile or he's not the most athletic guy, but he's shifty. He's a little, he's like a 5'10", 200 pound back. He's going to get movement, make the defender pick a shoulder to attack or pick a gap to attack. And they're just going to take the other, the other gap. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, that, that makes complete sense. Like ideally, but, so if you're rambling. <laughs> no, I think that's actually perfect. That's like a really, really good way to break it down. Um, so like ideally, if you know your team is going to be running a ton of zone, you'd probably want like one of those running back that's a little bit more patient, um, willing to kind of let the the blocks in front of him develop uh, like a like a prime levy on Bell, a guy that's OK, yeah, kind exactly. of dancing behind his line. Whereas, you know, like those Chris Carson, those guys that are just shot out of a can and you want to get them in a vertical, vertical running attack where they can just get upfield right away. Right. Um, is there you have any other kind of examples of running backs that are like more uh, scheme dependent, like, you know, say a scheme can really make or break a player. Um, you know, you see plenty of times uh, more so on defense where, you know, like a 4-3 defensive end will go to a 3-4 concept and then they're never the same after that. Um, is there any types of running backs that kind of come to mind that are more scheme dependent than others? Uh, you know, just the, the best ones are going to have those those types of like movement. I mean, Ingram's a good one. He mm-hmm. he spent a lot of time with the Saints and they, well, they kind of mixed it up too, but they, they did a lot of heavy zone. Uh, Baltimore... Ha- Clearly, it has a lot of heavy zones, but they also have like read option zones, which just adds another wrinkle to what we were talking about. Because now, now the defenders aren't looking at the offensive linemen, and they're not just keeping gap integrity, and they're not just looking at the running back. Now they have to look at Lamar Jackson too. So that's that's why that rushing attack. I mean, there's many reasons, including because Lamar Jackson is a unicorn. But mm-hmm. another reason is because every defender on the field has to take into account one more person even as they're doing that zone scheme. Um, but yeah, I mean, the best running backs are going to be able to do both. Um, any any little shifty guy that can also run north and south is is going to just kill it in both both realms. Um, it, all the Shanahan, we already talked about the 49ers, but Denver did this for a long time too, is like they would have little guys who could run north-south and they had big guys that could run east-west too. But I can't really think of any like scheme dependent only dudes right now. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm kind of putting you on the spot with that one. Oh, you're you're good. 
<laughs> um, so kind of moving on to like some other topics I wanted to touch on. You've written a couple of articles uh, recently um, that I thought were really enlightening. and I definitely encourage everyone to check them out. We'll uh, get a link to them in the show notes when we get this podcast out. Um, but one of the most recent ones that I read was just basically how does offensive line, uh, how offensive line play impacts fantasy. Um, and I guess just, you know, in, in your own words, how does offensive line play impact fantasy? Like, what would you tell a fantasy GM that wants to become a better football watcher? You know, why, why focus in on the offensive line? Yeah, I mean, basically just from like a top-down view, uh, you need to be able to sustain drives to accumulate all the counting stats we need in fantasy. Uh, we're obviously aiming for touchdowns, um, but I don't think people give enough credence to how finite drives are. And that's that's how we sustain uh, fantasy points, drive in and drive out, um, obviously. <laughs> when you're not <laughs> scoring, touchdowns are great, but like we need yards on every single drive or we're just taking goose eggs for for quarters at a time um it's really no different than looking at like the innings of a baseball game uh allowing a sack kills a drive just as much as hitting into a double play kills an inning um you're gonna have maybe seven drives eight drives nine drives if you're lucky getting rid of one of those is just like putting an x on the entire you know, 8% of the game, 12% of the game. Um, right. So allowing a sack as an offensive line loses a little bit of a yardage, but the fact that it leads to a punt is way more cumbersome. That That's what's going to kill you all day long. So understanding how offensive lines can set up a running back for success, how many blocked yardage, how many yards blocked they can get before they have to break a tackle or before they have to run away from an angle of a defender and how often they can keep their quarterback upright is just so important. And some quarterbacks are just going to be sacked more because either they lack awareness or they're always trying to make the big play. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson is always going to be sacked a lot. That's just Russell, how, Russell Wilson kind of popped into yeah, mind too. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson is always going to be sacked a lot. But it doesn't help that at times both of these teams, the Texans and the Seahawks, have ignored addressing their offensive lines to make – to make things even harder for these quarterbacks who are able to are able to set up giant boom plays, but they're also not being helped because they have tackles that are terrible. The Texans finally addressed it last year and they paid like two firsts and a second to get Tunsil when they could have just drafted a tackle with one of those. Right, exactly. You know, they'd be able to p- uh, patch that up a lot easier going that way with it. But I think when you have, you know, quarterbacks like the Watsons and the Wilsons, just that extra mobility kind of gives them a little bit of a little bit of wiggle room to play with there on the offensive line, just because they do have that guy that can create that extra that extra few seconds on some of those plays. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you said in your article um, that I think is 100% accurate, and it's part of why the offensive line doesn't really get as much love in fantasy circles, and that is, you know, there's no one single statistic that can really explain all of a team's output. Um, but you said if we weigh the important ones, we get a better idea of how much they influence the skill player position stock. Um, what are some of these important stats, and, you know, how much do they matter? Um, and then do you have any of them that are more helpful in measuring, like, individual versus, like, an overall offensive line unit play? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh Two go-tos um, are football outsiders, how they use their adjusted uh, adjusted line yards and adjusted sack rate. They're both great barometers of, you know, when a quarterback gets gets out of there versus when they actually get sacked. And are they getting sacked on first and 10 or are they getting sacked on third and 12? Which one is actually killing a play? 
and that's the adjusted sack rate. That's why I like how they adjust that uh, that metric to make it mean a little more. Um, adjusted line yards is just how much should a running back be gaining on a given play, be it first and 10, again, on third and five, on third and one. If it's third and one, you would expect a running back to be gaining one yard. On first and 10, it's whatever their adjust adjustment is. It's like uh, four and a half or something like that. But that's a good good idea to how you can start with uh, your offensive line uh, overview. Like if you have teams that are dead last in both of those, well, the offensive line is probably pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some other ones that I've been trying to incorporate. Uh, those are two of the bigger ones. Um, offensive line penalties are actually actually have a pretty high correlation, and that makes sense with what we've talked straight about. Straightforward, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If if you get a holding call in third and ten, and now it's third and twenty, your odds of getting a first down have just, I mean, just plummeted. Um, QB QB hits allowed is the number one. As another one, sorry. Um, offensive line coach tenure <laughs> has a way okay. a way higher correlation than I would have ever expected. Um, and I guess that makes sense. It's kind of hard to dig into that one. Um, if you have a rookie coach, you probably have a new coaching team altogether. So maybe that kind of holds on to that. And then I think a lot of that might be tilted from the years of like uh, Skarnakia with the Patriots. Um, and uh, oh, the guy for the Steelers who was there for like 12 years who I can't think of right now. Yeah, no judgment here. <laughs> he went to Denver. Anyways. But, like, I think maybe that kind of leans that way. Um, and, yeah, most of those are, like, again, like, top-down views. Uh, I also try to incorporate sports info solutions, uh, blown block percentage. And that's just simply kind of just as it says, for every every block that you attempt on someone, if you blow it, as in you miss the person that is lining up across from you, they tick you for it. And that's more of a individual I've tried to bring it into like a team thing, but it's kind of hard to say exactly, you know, if one person's terrible, it affects the whole line, but it's hard to pin a blown block, a blown block from the left tackle on the right tackle. So that's more of like a individual statistic. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that would be more, I feel like that'd be really good on like, yeah, like trying to like break down like which guard is better than like, you know, we were comparing two to three players, but it, it could really be kind of fluky in the terms of like an overall unit because, you know, one guy could just miss his block or completely forget what his assignment is. And then that blown block looks like it's attempted on somebody else because they're trying to, you know, step over to, to help out and make up for that. Right. Exactly. Um, one of the other things in your article is you kind of tried to, you know, do the best you can to try and boil it down to like, you know, a single metric if possible. Uh, and I believe you call it like your all encompassing offensive line metric. Um, explain that kind of tell us what that is. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, it's just a terrible name, but I've been <laughs> I, I got to say, I haven't put that much time into it. So this uh, AEOL metric is uh, an, an amalgamation of all of those a lot of those statistics we just talked about and a number of other ones too. Um, it's across uh, websites. I tried, I try to take as much as I can from, you know, whatever offensive line statistics I can grab onto, which are few and far between as I'm sure a lot of people can imagine, but it's, it's my attempt to explain fantasy points simply from offensive line play. Um, I use that metric in specific as my, my building block for my offensive line rankings before I dig into projections and watching film and uh, 
figuring out where the offensive line will fall in the coming season. Um, the the AEOL alone has a correlation of 0.51 to fantasy points for teams in the top 10 and in the bottom 10. Um, it's not an incredibly strong number, but considering it's it's that high that we're almost explaining away half of all fantasy points before we even look into uh, skill position players, uh, I'm pretty happy with that. So I'm trying to continue to make it stronger. It's it's difficult to pull data on offensive linemen, but uh, we're at a good starting point before I start to look at film and um, try to correlate my rankings to fantasy points. When you first went through and calculated that out, were there any teams that kind of jumped out as a big surprise, whether it be like in a positive or a negative way? Uh, yeah, I mean, the Ravens just mm-hmm. popped out of the Ravens and the honestly the the best offensive lines really really correlated well, which is probably a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 49ers, the Ravens, and the Saints all correlated extremely heavy with offensive line versus um, this metric. I think a lot of that is based off of how good they were as run blocking units. And another thing that I haven't incorporated yet, but I'm looking into seeing if I can is a, there's like a power index for football outsiders and they, they talk about power runs. So runs, it's like, uh, the likelihood that a team is going to convert on like second, third and fourth and short and short being like one to three yards. And they all, they all rank very highly in that, which would give you an idea that oh, every time they get in the goal line, they just score at will. So I think that's partially why they, they work so well, not to like downplay this metric that I kind of created, but mm-hmm. the fact that they're getting to the goal line and scoring touchdowns is obviously a good correlation to fantasy points because that's, you know, that's six points every single time. Um, ones that popped out kind of oddly, um, I don't know if I have any super negative ones. They're all kind of Pittsburgh was super far down, but it's hard to. This is based off of 2019 numbers, and mm-hmm. they did have a good offensive line, but they also had Devin Hodges. Behind it. <laughs> yeah, Mason Rudolph. Uh, they had to start Jalen Samuels and like Wildcat. So I guess that that was surprising, but I can I can give the metric a little bit of a pass there because you can't you can't. Uh, correlate everything from offensive line play sometimes you have to look at the actual skill position players on the field too yeah absolutely it's fun to try but you can't i'll never get a i'll never get a 0.99 as as an r2 for offensive line (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good point uh well was there anything else kind of in this first article any other important nuggets that you kind of wanted to touch on before we move on oh no i don't think so uh yeah yeah i think that that we got into some pretty nitty-gritty there yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I'll get a link to this article in the show notes when those go out. I highly recommend everybody go go check that out. It's it's really good stuff. You'll definitely come away a, a smarter fantasy gym after that. Um, and then you kind of touched earlier, um, you mentioned like your offensive line rankings, and you just released the first installment of that. I want to say it's like 32 through 21, if I remember correctly, off the top of my head. Right. Um, I don't really want to spoil too much of it, uh, but give me a few of uh, the other offensive lines that are coming up in the series that you think will be much improved this season over last year. Yeah, right on. Uh, I mean, we touched on a couple before that the Chargers are going to be like, I'm kind of even uh, a little worried about how, how much I boosted them, but I really liked their off their off season with their offensive line. I was super far down on them last year. I think uh, my end of season rankings for the Chargers, they were, uh, they were 20, 26th 
Mm-hmm. And then I've got them pegged at this point, and we'll we'll see if I switch them around a little more. But they're like thirteenth, so they're they went, from, they went from the bottom of the barrel or near the bottom of the barrel, and like I kind of talked about in that how offensive line effect impacts fantasy scoring, the bottom ten teams like severely negatively affect fantasy output, and the top ten teams uh, severely support fantasy points and that middle ground is kind of that little meat of the sandwich is kind of like eh, you can kind of take it or leave it so the chargers went from an offensive line that was affecting their fantasy pieces and you look at like austin eckler who still finishes like the running back six or something and now they're almost to the point where they're such a good team that they might be like a net positive so that's a huge one there and then directly behind them uh in my little my first draft of rankings, I, I have Cleveland right behind them. Mm-hmm. And Cleveland finished last season for me as the tw- uh, 28th offensive line. I really did not like their tackles. I think their tackles, uh, along with the rest of the drama going around on that team, really hindered Baker Mayfield and his ascension. Um, I think there were more than just the offensive line going on in Cleveland last year. But I'm looking for the Browns in general to just be a like a good offense, not a great offense, but like I'm, I'm looking at Mayfield as like a, a great super flex, like QB two, like a mm-hmm. top, like 12 to 15 quarterback. And I think of a lot of that will hinge on their two tackles that they had in, in the off season. Yeah. I'm sure part of uh, why you have them up so much is, you know, the addition of Jack Conklin um, and the subtraction of him from the Titans um, is kind of like what spurred my next question um, is, you know, which teams do you think will be noticeably worse this year? You had uh, the Titans pretty low, like in the, I want to say like 25 or 26 in this article. Um, and I think a lot of teams, there are a lot of fantasy jams kind of think of the Titans and Derrick Henry as just like, you know, one of the surefire, safe, surefire safest systems to invest in when it comes to running backs. Um, but they dropped down this year. I guess two questions here. Are you fading teams like the Titans more so in fantasy because of their offensive line situations? And then which teams do you think will take like a big uh, drop off in terms of offensive line play this year? Yeah, the, the Titans are definitely one of them. And it's probably not like the, the most popular take, but uh, I, I think... Once again, that offensive line is just one piece of the puzzle. Um, I don't see Ryan Tannehill as being the most efficient quarterback in the NFL. Um, I'm not saying he got lucky last year. That's a, I mean, he threw plenty of passes to not be lucky. But mm-hmm. if him becoming the most efficient passer in the league in his year eight season, year seven season. Seems unlikely. Uh, I think it's a little more fluke than consistency. So it's a little bit about his his arm, why I'm kind of fading them. And also, yeah, I'm, I was kind of low on their offensive line last year compared to, I mean, you watch Derrick Henry run through people and you, you probably wonder, I, even last year they were not super low, but they were kind of low. Like wondering how Henry is running through all these people if, if, they're, if his offensive line is so bad. But I think they're more middle of the road. And then getting rid of Jack Conklin, who is one of the best run-blocking tackles in the league, is uh, not going to bode well. I mean, Henry could just, once again, be the most... Maybe he's the most efficient running back in the league. Uh, the odds that he's the most efficient and Ryan T- Tannehill's the most efficient at his position either means that this is the greatest coaching staff of all time <laughs> or there's some sort of flukiness going on there. Um, I don't know if it's zigging while other people are zagging, but I would rather just... I would rather bet that uh, that offense is not going to be quite as consistent as it was last year. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. AJ Brown's pretty much the only Titan I can really feel good about having on my dynasty. Team I do like at this it. Point. I do like AJ Brown. It's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to fade him. He was yeah. also like incredibly mm-hmm. efficient with his touches too, which is, I don't know if that's scary. Maybe he'll make up for it with volume, but that that often I don't I don't know. <laughs> that was yeah, crazy, it's, crazy it was kind of a Tennessee. weird when you like look back, like just yeah, how historically efficient they were. I, I think with Brown, you'll see a little bit of a. Like you said, uh, increase in volume, decrease in efficiency. But I do think he's a guy that's going to be like a top 12 wide receiver, if not this year, mm-hmm. next year at the latest. Right. Um, but I, I'm not a not a huge Derrick Henry guy, especially for Dynasty. And it, it, I don't really have a great argument for it because like my big, biggest argument is his huge workload. But like at the same time, like I'm not really fading off of Zeke Elliott, who's had you know a ridiculous workload for the last four or five seasons. I just, I just, man, I don't know what it is. I just got a gut feeling that I am just, I'm out on Derrick Henry at his current price right now. Me too, and you know maybe maybe we'll we'll convene again in six months, and we'll both look like idiots. But I don't know if it's because he just looks silly running upright. I mean, he's a I know he's a giant man, so he can take hits. But I just think of these like giant ninety nine yard touchdowns against the Jaguars, and I'm like, how is that not a fluke? Either he's the greatest running back of all time, or like it's just a little fluky. Yeah, I, I tend to think it's more on the fluky side as well. Um, shifting back over to your article here, um, a couple of teams that were near the bottom. Um, I just kind of was curious, you know, kind of what all went into it for you, um, like specifically like the Dolphins and the Jets, you know, like they invested quite a bit of uh, resources into their offensive line, you know, be it through free agency and the draft. Um, they still find themselves near the bottom of the rankings. Um, you know, is that due to just like a, a lack of con- continuity, like uh, where you'd mentioned like uh, coaching staff being there for a long time was uh, something that directorate, uh, directly correlated in a positive way? Um, or is this more of just for teams like this, it was more of just like a quantity over quality signings type thing? Right. It, it's it's mostly a continuity thing. And uh, these types of where I have these teams or I'm sorry, where I have the jets and the dolphins in these rankings, I'm happy to be wrong because I, it's hard to, you know, take a crap on these teams that are really actively trying to better their offensive line. Um, But it is a lot of continuity. Um, There's been a lot of offensive line continuity research done by uh, Thomas Emmerich. He is at Thomas Emmerich on Twitter. Uh, he's been looking into offensive line continuity and exactly what that means for uh, an output of an offensive line. He's been doing this for a few seasons now. Uh, Miami and New York and the Jets are both the two teams with the least amount of returning starters. Uh, the Dolphins having one, which is really quite impressive, honestly. It's not very often you see one returning starter out of all five, and the Jets have two. Um and yeah, it is, it's a little bit of a quantity over quality thing. Like the Dolphins added Austin Jackson. I think he's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Ted Cross out of the Patriots. New England let him go. Also, like when New England lets someone go, that's always a red flag. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the Jets even took on some talent that I really like. We This is like the third time we've talked about McGovern now. So now I feel kind of crappy that I have his new team ranked so far down. But they added him. He's a new center. They added Mackay Becton, who has a little bit of work to do, but he's a gargantuan tackle. I think he has a very high ceiling, but he's still a little raw. And then I guess this is a little mean to the dude, but having your starting right tackle be George Fant uh, is just a bad, it's a bad idea. And that's a big reason why the Jets have sunk this far down because they brought on Fant for I guess just no reason. I don't quite understand it. Uh, 
looking at kind of his numbers, Fant has logged uh, the same amount of snaps, almost the same amount of snaps as a jumbo package tight end as he has as a pure offensive tackle over the last two seasons. He's had 477 snaps as a, as a tackle, and he's had 450 snaps as a tight end. Well, I mean, I guess he's like a, a a tackle in that package, but a jumbo package third tackle. You're just you're just there to get in someone's way. So having him as a starting right tackle, I, he's a first round pick, but this is going to be his fourth or fifth season. And if he can't figure it out by then, I you know that would be huge. But yeah, just just the continuity thing is is huge for me. Uh, having no one no one knows each other, and we're having just the the craziest off season I've yeah. ever experienced as a football fan. They're not going to have any time to gel. Hopefully, they prove me wrong. But you know, someone's got to be ranked low. And right, exactly. <laughs> only thirty two spots. <laughs> there's only thirty two spots, and uh, these are two of them. And they're I feel comfortable with them being low. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, you know, of course, with football, you know, injuries are inevitable. At some point, your team is going to have a few big injuries, um, and that's where depth really comes in. And in some cases, it can be almost more important than having that super, super high-end talent, especially when you're getting, you know, into December, January, and February. Uh, which offensive line units are um, the most equipped to handle an injury or two throughout the season? Uh, I, I like the the 49ers. I, I liked their their unit a lot last year, and they lost Joe Staley. And this is kind of the same situation with, um, oh, man. Oh, with Travis Frederick. I can't believe I forgot mm-hmm. Travis <laughs> Frederick's name. How dare I? But they had the same kind of situation with Joe Staley. Of course, not a center. He was a tackle. But he was, he was getting up there in age. He was starting to have some nagging injuries. They had to spot start uh, quite a few people. And what, what better way than to deal with that problem than to go get Trent Williams so Trent yeah. Williams, who could be on a, a path to be a future Hall of Famer, takes over for a Hall of Famer. The hashtag how rich, <laughs> the rich get richer. <laughs> um, they went and got a couple other uh, inside guys. They went and got Ben Garland from the Falcons. Uh, they've they've just got the depth to, if you know, heaven forbid, they lose a guy or two. I think they'll just still keep going on and they they have that sort of scheme that we touched on earlier that as long as you have athletic guys you should be able to run out not anybody but you should be able to run out you know almost anybody (laughs) replacement (laughs) replacement level players are probably going to look pretty darn good in that offense because they throw so many wrenches into the defense um the the giants suddenly have some some depth which is nice uh i I I don't. This is such a weird thing to say, but like I, I'm like pretty high on Daniel Jones this year. No, I'm with you on that one. I am like even as a Cowboys fan, I am hyped in that train as much as I can. I mean, I wish I wish they didn't have three slot receivers, but they do have three <laughs> good slot receivers. So that that'll be interesting. I really like their offensive line. I think I might surprise. I don't know how many people are going to surprise that pay attention to offensive line rankings, but I've got them pretty high up. So if anyone cares about offensive line rankings. I feel like they'll be surprised by my ranking of the Giants. Um, but the, yeah, those this are a couple too. Uh, the Chargers did well. I don't know about their depth, but they definitely hopped up a lot. Um, yeah, I think the 49ers and the Giants are probably my two uh, two most depth 
teams right now. Ah, I like it. Um, of course, you know, we're recording this here on June 28th, about an hour before we hopped on. There was a little bit of breaking news that I uh, can't not ask you about, and that is uh, Cam Newton signing with the Patriots. It's um, so- I mean, I feel like we all kind of felt like it was coming at some point, and then for a while, like, okay, well, maybe it's not, and then, boom, here it comes again. Very, very cleverly announced, right, as uh, they get a announced uh, for uh, losing some picks and getting fined for like their video recording scandal last year. Uh, Belichick always playing chess while we're playing checkers. Um, right. But what's just kind of your initial takeaways with that signing? I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm by no means a Patriots fan and I have, uh, I'm pretty sure I have zero um, shares of Cam Newton and dynasty across quite a few leagues. And, I don't think I've drafted Cam Newton once in best ball leagues. And now I'm definitely not going to get him because people are going to be taking him as like the quarterback eight. Mm-hmm. But just for just for the love of the game, I it makes me so happy. I mean, screw the Patriots. I I love them. It's so yeah. much fun. Yeah. It's so much it's, fun. It's to watch so this, conflicting this now. This disgusting dynasty. These assholes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Going. Seriously. It's so much fun. And they could have signed him three months ago. But, you know, Belichick is just like – sitting in his cave knowing that something is just going to go longer and longer and now we're going to have to sign cam for cam for what like three million or i don't even know they got it for cheap man like it's like all like incentives it's so great it's so great to have a heel you know it's Mm -hmm. i'm a big you know 90s wrestling fan there's you know you got to have a heel in the match it's true, man. Like I can't imagine, like the Lakers, like like the, like when the Lakers were terrible, like just basketball was not the same. Like you got to have that team. That's like the Patriots. But I've never been so conflicted because like it's the first time they've really had someone that I've been a big fan of. And I was yeah. a big Nikhil Harry fan coming out of college. So it's just like, oh. man, I like the receiver, I like the quarterback, but I still want them to lose. But it's it's they're going to be so much fun. Um, I, I think all those I think Buffalo Bills fans. Have... Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I was just gonna say those uh, Bills fans that were thinking this year I uh, was finally their year, man. They're just this <laughs> right, guy, right, they're like, right. like shot to the gut. <laughs> they're like, man, we thought we were gonna sneak in at nine and seven again, and you know now we're just gonna go eight and eight with <laughs> Josh Allen leading the league in picks. <laughs> I was I was gonna say I think this uh, I I I wanted uh, Edelman to play with Stidham because I didn't think Stidham would be chucking it, and now it's like all my Edelman shares are like nasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think you'll still be okay there. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm really excited for Nikhil Harry. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah. you look at like what Cam could do with like Kelvin Benjamin, and like I think uh, right. Nikhil is going to be way better than that. So it's 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 very disheartening but exciting at the same time. I'm glad that Cam got a spot. Like the, the league's better when he's when he's active and he's healthy. So I, exactly. I just hope he can keep it together. He's um, he's an exciting player. He can he can he be is. a little dork sometimes, but he's he's exciting man. Having him run around the field is it's good for it's good for football. God, there might the not be a good too. Then there might not be a better coach in terms of like just drawing up uh, different schemes and putting players in the best position to succeed. And I'm excited to see what Belichick does with a quarterback this athletic. Like he's never had that before. Tom Brady was. Uh, I wish I could pull this off the top of my head, but Tom Brady has been bar none the best uh, quarterback sneaking quarterback of like the last ten years by like a ton by a lot. Mm-hmm. So just. Take out Tom Brady in short yarded situations and replace him with Cam freaking Newton. Like they're ne- they're never gonna turn the ball over on second, third, or fourth and one ever again. There's just an automatic first down. Yeah, it's it's gonna be crazy. I just I just hope there's a football season, man. I'm ready to spend my yeah. Sundays watching football, not just sitting here talking about it. But right. 
Gosh, man. Well, shoot. I appreciate you coming on today, man. So uh, tell us where we can find you on Twitter and like uh, any other upcoming projects you got uh, coming out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at Justin underscore Redwards. Um, I'll be doing offensive line. Well, I'm in the midst of my offensive line rankings. The next the next uh, pocket will come out this week and then the, the top 10 will come out in the next week or two. And then I'll be doing weekly articles at four for four about offensive lines. Uh, up to then and probably through then I'll be doing uh, some debate articles with 4 for 4 writers some player profiles uh, over there at 4 for 4 and um, yeah I'll be writing a ton and hopefully seeing a lot of people in the streets in these this uh, Scott Fishbowl that's right for sure well man I really appreciate you coming on I hope that we can do this again soon sometime um, and then we can talk about a little bit more than just offensive line. I don't want to pigeonhole you in the, you know, in just that one spot. I'm sure you have a lot of good thoughts for all the different positions. But yeah, I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, until next time, you know, take care. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, and now I'm joined by my buddy Matt Hames as we're going to go through and knock out a realistic Superflex mock draft for you. Uh, just kind of get an idea for you guys to show like where players are going to go and how you can sort of uh, plan out to uh, build your dynasty team based off ADP. Um, how are you doing today, Matt? Great, Jordan. How are you? Oh, doing good. It's always a good day to talk football. Um, the only way it'll be better is in a few months when we're actually watching football on these Sundays instead of just sitting here talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. And it's uh, it's getting to be that time of year. It's exciting. Everybody's coming out with their podcasts, and everybody's a, a fantasy guru these days. So it'll be it'll be good to know that me and you were giving some good advice out there. Yeah, absolutely. So just so listeners kind of have an idea of what we did today, um, we pulled um, the most current uh, ADP from Dynasty Trade Calculator. Um, they use, uh, use Superflex ADP over there. So uh, for our mock draft today, the the standard lineup we're going to be using is a, a Superflex lineup. So we're going to be drafting a starting lineup of a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers. Um, then we'll go down um, at a, a super flex, two flexes after that, and then we'll have a nine-man bench. So in total, we're going to go 20 rounds. How we broke this up is I took each round and I kind of break up the first six, and, so first six and the last six so we can get an idea of like generally what guys are going to be there if you're doing a snake draft. So, for example, Matt's going to take his pick of the first six players in the first round, then he'll get to choose from the last six in the second round, first six in the third round, so on and so forth. So starting it off, Matt, uh, who did you take at the top of the first round? Top of the first round there, I went with, uh, let me pull it back up here, Saquon Barkley. Um, my options were Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Michael Thomas, Zeke, Kyler Murray, and Saquon Barkley. Um, I went Barkley there uh, just because I, I think he's, you know, first or second uh, pick in pretty much every draft, and it's good to start off your draft that way with one of probably the best running back going forward after this year so. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really, really good pick there. Um, I know for Superflex, a lot of guys like to go quarterbacks early. Um, was it tough to pass over, like, the Mahomes and Lamar Jackson sitting there looking at you at the top of the first? Um, a little bit, especially with both of them in that round. But uh, from my experience playing fantasy football, I mean, it, I get why somebody would take those guys there. But at the same time, I know, or at least my strategy um, – in the last few years is to go running back heavy the first couple rounds. Um, and you can find a good quarterback in the later rounds. So I'm just t- sticking to my strategy of running backs uh, towards the, towards the upper rounds and I'll find a quarterback later. 
Yeah, I'm with you there, too. It's a similar situation for me. Um, I passed on the quarterback early. Um, like, you know, I won't lie. There are some leagues where if I had a top two pick, I would be pretty hard pass to pass on a Mahomes or Jackson and a Superflex. Um, but in this draft, I waited on quarterback as well, and I ended up grabbing a trio of quarterbacks that I feel great about. Um, we'll talk more about them in the later rounds. Um, but for my first round pick, um, I went with Dalvin Cook. Um, his ADP right now is number eight overall. Um same thing there. You know, it, it's always nice to have a, an anchor at running back to build your team around right there. Of course, there's, you know, some rumors about a potential holdout uh, for Dalvin Cook. I mean, honestly, I'm not really that worried about it. I'm a Cowboys fan, so I spent all last season hearing about all the holdout rumors with Zeke. And guess what? He was there for week one. He was ready to play. I pretty much feel a similar situation is going to play out for Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, when he's healthy, um, the skills that he has there are undeniable. Last year, he, you know, turned uh, 250 carries into 1,100 yards, had 13 touchdowns, and added an extra 50 catches for another 500 yards through the air. Um, really showing that he is just a beast in your PPR settings. He's going to contribute on the ground as well as through the air. Um, I'm not worried about the holdout. I'm, I'm locked and loaded rolling there with Dalvin Cook in round one. Uh, moving around to round two for me, so I'm looking at the top of the second round. Some guys available there for me would be Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Hopkins, Russell Wilson, Miles Sanders, and Josh Jacobs. Um, for here, um, I had a similar situation where I just I couldn't pass up on the chance to get an elite cornerstone at one of the, the tougher positions at running back and wide receiver. Um, so I grabbed DeAndre Hopkins here. He has an ADP of 15. I am extremely excited to see what he can do in the Arizona offense. Um, you know, there's a few more mouths to feed there, but I still think he's going to be a lock for top three production at the wide receiver position for the next four to five years. Um, you won't find a bigger fan of Kyler Murray than me and what I think he's going to do for that Arizona offense. I am locked and loaded with DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook after two rounds. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. Um, I think that Larry Fitz is going to have a good, uh, you know, a pretty good decent year there too. They got, I mean, they're going to spread the ball around over there uh, in Arizona and DeAndre Hopkins is still going to get his carries or sorry, targets. Um, but when Larry Fitzgerald uh, retires, probably after this year, I, w- I would assume DeAndre Hopkins is going to be right there. And like you said, locked and loaded. Yeah, I like the way that he uh, matches up with Christian Kirk opposite of him long term, too. And, I, you know, there's still going to be plenty of room for him to be the alpha uh, fantasy superstar that he has been the, you know, the last three, four years for everybody. Um, so you uh, you uh, had a couple of uh, running backs, a couple wide receivers and then the best tight end in fantasy right now for you there in round two. Who did you end up with? Yeah, this one I actually spent a little bit of time with. Um, uh, I did not uh, even consider Juju Smith-Schuster. I actually don't. I'm not high on him at all this year, to be honest with you. There are so many mouths to feed in Pittsburgh that um, I think he'll have an okay year, Juju, but not um, anything great fantasy-wise, because I don't think they're re-signing him after this year. But I'll get into more of that later with another pick that I take. Um, I actually went Jonathan Taylor here. Um, It was between him and... Clyde Edwards, but um, it's it's more of just a gut feeling between the two. It's kind of like a flip of a coin. Um, Jonathan Taylor, I think, with Philip Rivers, um, he's going to get a lot of touches early on, um, and they'll open up that offense a lot. And then when Philip Rivers retires in a few years, because this is a dynasty draft that we're doing, mm-hmm. um, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to get the rock a lot, no matter who the quarterback is there after Philip Rivers. So I, I went Jonathan Taylor there, but it really. Uh, it's kind of a coin flip for me because I like Clyde Edwards as well. Um, but they have Damian Williams there too. And I didn't think Damian Williams was terrible. So I could see a little bit of a timeshare there, at least at the beginning between those two. Whereas Jonathan Taylor, I think he's going to take over that job pretty early. 
Yeah, you know, you hear a lot of talk right now of, you know, him splitting carries with Marlon Mack, but I I think once you have that first run or two where Jonathan Taylor just explodes and turns like a, a five-yard gain into a 30-yard gain after busting through a few tacklers, they're just going to start feeding him. Um, for most of the offseason, I had Taylor as my 101 in my rookie ranks uh, with, you know, kind of the preface of like, if, if, you know, one of these studs lands in Kansas City, that's about the only way I could see someone sliding ahead of him. Um, so now I would have it in a PPR draft. I'd probably go Edwards Hilaire, but in any like half PPR standard league, like I'd probably go Taylor and I can't even fault anyone that takes Taylor in a PPR league just because he is that freaking talented. Um, so who do you go with in round three? Round three, um, I'm sticking to my strategy that I've used uh, that I just talked about a little bit ago, and I went uh, King Derrick Henry. Um, he is just an absolute freight train. Uh, they still have Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, so obviously Derrick Henry is going to be getting the rock probably about 30-plus times a game, just like they were, play defense and let Derrick Henry uh, carry the offense. And to me, that's just too good to pass up. J.K. Dobbins, I know, is is available there. Um, so I may regret that later because I think he's going to take Mark Ingram's job towards the end of the year. And then going forward, he's going to be a beast. Austin Eckler is here as well. Um, going to be an absolute beast, but I, I, I just like Henry. I love Henry for the next couple of years until they get uh, a quarterback that can really throw the ball downfield. I, I love Henry right here. Yeah, I think that's a good pick there, especially after grabbing Jonathan Taylor in the second round. It gives you a little bit of an insurance there in case Henry does end up being one of those running backs that, you know, kind of hits a wall after a certain amount of carries. You know, he had a huge workload last year, uh, but having that young gun kind of been waiting there definitely makes it a, a good qualified risk, in my opinion. Um, for me here in my third round pick, um, I, this is where I finally uh, pulled the trigger on a quarterback and it just kind of shows, you know, how deep the quarterback position is here where I'm still able to grab a guy that I consider a top seven quarterback. Um, I grabbed Carson Wentz here. He has an ADP of 32, um, which really is kind of crazy when you look at some of the other quarterbacks, how much higher they're going ahead of him. Um, I don't really feel like the gap is that big and I've never even really considered myself that much of a Carson Wentz guy, um, but that deep in a draft, like that's just, that's just value I can't pass over. Um, also gave look to Joe Burrow here just because of the dynasty aspect of this um had i grabbed a quarterback in round one or two i probably would have gone burrow here um but seeing as i waited this late to grab my first quarterback i wanted a guy that i felt confident plugging in and getting weekly top 10 production um so i went with carson Wentz here added him you know to dalvin cook deandre hopkins that gives me like a really good feeling of just like a solid solid core to build around in a super flex league um i followed that up in round four with kenny galladay um adp of 37 right now um, he's a guy that I feel very confident in finishing in the top six of wide receivers this year. Um, and to be able to grab him clear down in round four is just absolute ridiculous value to me. Um, he's the red zone target in Detroit. Uh, Marvin Jones is going to be the guy that still some of his work between the 20s. But anytime they get close and they need to throw, it's going to be going to Galladay. He's got that size that gives him, you know, that rare speed size combo where he can get up and uh, outrun some of the defenders and as well go up and get those contested catches. Uh, through four rounds, I'm now sitting with Carson Wentz, Dalvin Cooks, DeAndre Hopkins, and Kenny Galladay. I would love to this to be the start of any of my dynasty teams. Um, who did you grab at the end of round four? Uh, this one was another tough one for me. I, I went Keenan Allen on this one um, after I looked at all of them, just mainly off of the uh, the amount of catches that I know he's going to get. He seems he's been healthy the last two years after uh, being injured the first couple years of his career. So he's he's been consistent over the last two years. Um I, I still expect he's probably going to get six, seven, maybe eight catches a game. Definitely six to seven. Um, I just like his potential uh, for the next few years, Keenan Allen. Um, Cortland Sutton was there. Um, 
I really debated taking him because I actually do think he is going to have a monster year. Uh, I think Denver's finally going to turn the corner with Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton and all those pieces, Melvin Gordon that they put there. So that one was a tough one for me. But um, Keenan Allen, I, I like him mainly just because of the, the points that you're going to get off of the reception there, the PPR. Yeah, you had a big group of receivers there to choose from. Uh, some other names there, DK Metcalf, CD Lamb, Allen Robinson. Um, I, I probably myself, I think I would have gone with Metcalf there, but that's just because in general with Dynasty, I tend to prefer to draft younger. But I think um, that you're right, spot on, when you're thinking uh, Keen Allen's still going to get somewhere between six to eight catches a game. You know, a lot of talk about, you know, people think he's going to fall off a cliff because Tyrod Taylor is there. But, I mean, Mike Williams is there, Hunter Henry. But, I mean, I still feel like Allen's going to dominate um, all the wide receiver targets there. And even if he doesn't have those huge, like, 150 to 100 yard, 180-yard uh, game-winning weeks, um, he's still going to be a guy that's going to be consistent in those PPR league's just catching uh you know like you said six to eight catches a game that's very very helpful as a wide receiver too and even if he did fall off for like a game or two that basically what that means is tyrod taylor is probably not performing very well and he will get pulled everybody has a short leash this year uh or not this year every year mm-hmm. um everybody wants to win the chargers already don't have anybody coming to their games anyway they need to sell tickets and if keenan allen's not getting the ball that probably means something is wrong and they will pull him for justin herbert so i'm, I'm fine taking keenan allen yeah uh, all the way at an adp of 48 i think that's great value there um so who'd you roll with in uh, round five this is where i went quarterback um just because i started to look at the names that were starting to come in my my draft slots here and I could see uh, Aaron Rodgers and Daniel Jones. So I know where quarterbacks are starting to go a little bit. So I went Daniel Jones here. Yeah, um, I like, I like his potential um, going forward. The giants are finally putting a good uh, or a pretty good offense around him. Saquon, Golden Tate, uh, Shepard, Evan Ingram, if he can stay healthy um, and he'll be there for the, obviously this is his second year. I believe you're rookie last year. Um, mm-hmm. So I like I like his potential going forward in that offense and and for my uh, dynasty squad here for the won't have to find a quarterback for a while. Yeah, Daniel Jones is a guy I've been scooping up in almost every single draft. Um, just that value there outside of the top 50 is just ridiculous. You know, if you're talking about a non-super flex league, then you're going to drop that number down closer to like 90 to 100 as well, too. Uh, I want right. to say I grabbed him like around 100 in one of the other drafts that me and you were in that uh, we're just finishing up. Um, I think he's a really solid bet to be one of the best quarterbacks that finished outside the top 20 last year to finish inside the top 12 this year. Um, and that's going to be his floor moving forward. Um, he's a guy that when he came out of the draft, I really didn't understand, you know, why they took him so high but i've done a complete 180 on him um and he's not without his red flags of course like it wasn't like he came in and took the league by storm but he did enough to where i feel confident that they're going to write the ship and just he's going to be good just if nothing else because of the guys around him right i i completely agree with you uh, perfect. So then for uh, round five for me, um, this is where just like a little bit of my strategy comes in. And it's it's different than where you are, where you like to go like running back heavy early. Um, I think you grab three straight running backs to start the draft off. Um, I'm sitting here at round five. I'm only looking at Dalvin Cook in there and uh, some guys available here, Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette. But, you know, honestly, I'll, I'll pass on them. In Dynasty, I'd much rather sell a guy a year too early and have him have a good year somewhere else versus a year too late to where he just becomes, you know, a negative on my bench that just is a guy that you can never really start, but you can't trade him because you're not going to get value back. Um, so I'm fine waiting on running back even a little bit deeper here. Um, so I passed on those two and went ahead and grabbed Stephon Diggs. 
Um, he's a guy that seems like a lot of people are down on, and I, I don't really understand it. Um, you look last year, Minnesota was 30th in uh, attempts per game uh, throwing the ball. So it's not like he was in this extremely pass-heavy offense, which a lot of people seem to like. They, that's just kind of like the narrative they have there. But no, that team likes to uh, ground and pound with Dalvin Cook, and they have Alexander Madison there. So I think he's actually going to see an increase in targets here, um, you know, leaving that depth chart in Minnesota, moving to Buffalo. And you saw what John Brown was able to do last year. Um, I think Stephon Diggs is going to be able to step in and do like an even better version of that. Um, I think Stephon Diggs gets back closer to the numbers we saw him post two to three years ago. I am very, very excited about this Buffalo team. And I think Stephon Diggs is going to add an element to their offense that they were severely, severely missing. Yeah, I like that pick a lot, actually. I Like you, I don't understand why people are down on Diggs. Um, I think Josh Allen's only going to improve. The you know the Patriots are down. The Bills are just going to run wild in that division this year. Probably the next two years. Um, you know they're going to every they're playing their division obviously uh, six games. I think they're you know probably going to go six zero in those games. And Diggs and John Brown. I mean nothing more you can say. I think uh, Diggs is an awesome pick there. Yeah, ridiculous value. His ADP right now is currently sitting clear down at sixty. Um, so that brings us a quarter of the way through our mock draft. So let's kind of review where our team stand at this point. Um, I have Carson Wentz, Dalvin Cook, and then a trio of receivers and DeAndre Hopkins, Kenny Galladay, and Stephon Diggs. Are you kidding me? In a PPR league, I'll take that trio all day. Um, how is your squad sitting after five? Yeah, I like it. Um, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, Keenan Allen, and Daniel Jones. So got my quarterback. I got three running backs here, and I've got uh, one receiver. So I, I I like it in the PPR league. I, I like where I'm going with this squad here. Yeah, I think one of the things that you'll see in this draft moving forward is just, you know, how deep wide receiver is. So, like, it really just – there is no one correct way to build a team. It really just kind of comes down to your own personal strategy. Um, but let's kind of keep this rolling here. So, looking at round six, um, I'm going to start us off here. This is kind of the mid-rounds in the Superflex League is where I'm going to really, really start uh, hammering in my quarterbacks. You know, I grabbed Carson once early. Um, but in these leagues, I want to be able to start a quarterback in my Superflex spot every single weekend. And I want a guy that's not having to be streamed and play matchups. I want a guy that I feel pretty confident is going to be be able to give me 15 to 20 points every single week with that being said i went with matthew stafford here he has an adp of 62 um you look at what he did last year before he got injured and his per game statistics were ridiculous if he can stay healthy again this year he's going to easily finish inside the top 10 for your fantasy quarterbacks uh getting him with an adp clear down at 62 to pair with carson wentz in my super flex leagues i will take that all day yeah i like that pick a lot matthew stafford when they still got marvin jones they've got uh galladay um, he's got, he's got a ton of talent there. Added DeAndre uh, Swift this year too, to help kind yep. of balance it a little bit. Yep. I, I like that pick a lot. Um, and I think he's going to have a tremendous year again in a winnable division, in my opinion. Yeah, um, very much so. so. Uh, my pick in the, the back half of the sixth round here, I went Justin Jefferson. Um, I think he is, well, number one, he's a rookie this year in our dynasty league. So I, going forward, I'm confident with him. Um, leading my you know receivers for the next few years, um, I think he's going to fill the Stefan Diggs role, obviously. And he felt disrespected with the way that he got drafted this year. He got passed on by a couple wide receivers. He thought he should have went earlier. I like him. I actually think he's going to have like a heck of a rookie season too. Might, might in my opinion, everybody's got different opinions. I think he could be flirting with uh, the rookie of the year this year. I think he's going to get a lot of targets in that offense um, to really open it up for Dalvin Cook and everything. So I, I like Justin Jefferson going forward there. 
Yeah, that's a really good pick, though. I think you're onto something there. He's not my pick for Rookie of the Year, but I do think he's a guy that'll be getting votes and kind of finishing in that top three to four for that. Um, partly because of, you know, the guy I drafted last round, Stephon Diggs, he's vacating. That's going to open up quite a bit of offense. And Jefferson really can play out of the slot and outside, so he's he's extremely versatile. Um, I'm not the biggest Kirk Cousins guy, but I am excited for what they're going to do with him there. Um, so who'd you and go just, with? Oh, go ahead. I just want to add in, and just to add in, you know, Adam Thielen kind of had an, a little bit of a down year last year too. I still think he'll be he'll be good, but he, maybe he's getting a little bit up there in age. Maybe injuries. I'm I'm not sure about you know what's going on with him, but Ju- Justin Jefferson will be right there if Adam Thielen can't produce again. So I, yeah, I like it. There. I'm not a Thielen guy either, really at all. So uh, round seven, um, kind of what you just explained when you took Matthew Stafford in the sixth. I went uh, Sam Darnold here to fill in my super flex spot. Um, he was the only quarterback available, but like I said, I could start to see the writing on the wall of quarterbacks are starting to go. Um, so I, I knew that I needed to fill that super flex spot. Um, I think that, uh, last year, obviously I mono, I'm pretty sure is what he had. So we missed a lot of time last year, mm-hmm. but I think he's developing pretty good. Um, they have Le'Veon Bell there. They're starting to finally put a little bit of talent there. I think, uh, going forward, he'll be pretty good. Yeah, you know, they really did a lot to invest in their offensive line, too, which is going to help any young quarterback stay upright, um, especially a guy like Darnold. He's kind of missed a little bit of time early in his career. And, of course, last year, you know, like you said, it was mono. It's not really like an injury or anything like that. So you just kind of got to, you know, take your losses and move on to next year. And I, I am. I'm a, I'm a Darnold guy this year. I think that's really good value. His ADP is clear down at 73. Um, and I, I just didn't really – I didn't really like – uh, overly like, I guess, some of the other guys that I had the choice. I mean, I do like Terry McLaurin. I, I flirted with that and Tyler Lockett, but I'm I'm not big on Devin Singletary. Um, I'm not sure. I'd still to this day what to really think of that Buffalo Bills backfield with Zach Moss and Singletary because I do think Moss has the talent to take that job. It might not right away. Uh, so Singletary needs to stay healthy. He's been hurt the last couple of years. Or Zach Moss is a beast. A lot of people don't know about that because he played at Utah. So you're seeing a lot of hate from, you know, the national, um, you know, fantasy football experts out there, mainly because they didn't stay up till, you know, one in the morning watching Utah's football games. He's a beast. And I could see him taking Singletary's job. Um, David Montgomery, not too. I mean, I mean, I think he'll have a better year than last year, but I need to see it before I'm going to draft him. And then the Raiders, uh, Henry Ruggs there. Um, no, thank you. None of the Raiders. Yeah I, 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 yeah, I don't really even understand what they did in the draft. Didn't they take like four wide receivers in a row? Uh, they did I something. Have, they they went with a ton of receivers, and there's like the only one that I really liked and can see myself owning is going to be Brian Edwards, uh, just because he's going to go later than all of them. And I think he's arguably going to be just as good as Henry Ruggs is in the NFL. Yeah, stay away from all the Raiders there. So yeah, Sam Darnold in that position is who I went with there. Yeah, I think that's a really good pick, especially for your super flex league to be able to get another quarterback with upside. Um, you know, having Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold, I, I really like that base. It's kind of one of those where, yeah, there is a realistic situation where that could kind of fall out and then you're struggling to fill your quarterback spot. But I think both of those guys have upside that we haven't seen yet. Um, it's, it's a really solid build there, especially with how strong you're able to lock up that running back position early. Um, kind of speaking on running backs there, um, this is where I kind of look at uh, the grouping of players I could choose from here, and oh, I really didn't like a lot of them. Like We already mentioned Adam Thielen. No, thank you there. Ryan Tannehill. I'm not really a Tannehill guy there. Uh, Michael Gallup, you know, I, I did like him. I considered him here, but, you know, with me already stacking up on so many receivers early, I felt like I needed to, you know, grab a running back here. Uh, David Johnson was available, but uh, I'm good on that. Like maybe in a redraft league if I can get him late, but for Dynasty, he will be on like exactly zero of my teams. Uh, Derek Carr, no 
no thank you. Um, so I'm going to go with a guy right here, ADP 84 at the end of seventh round. I went with Chris Carson. Um, he's a guy that you look at last year, finished just outside of the top 12. He had 1,200 yards on the ground, seven touchdowns, and added another t- 266 yards with two receiving touchdowns. Um, he's not going to be a monster in PPR leagues. That's just not really his game. But he is a guy that is going to be one of the most consistent runners on the ground, averaging you know, a solid 4.4 yards per carry last year. Um, I'm really expecting much of the same. He's going to be an 11 to 1,200-yard runner with seven to eight touchdowns in that Seattle offense. Um, really happy to have him as my RB2 here clear at the end of round seven. Yeah, that, that is a heck of a pick there. Um, I didn't even look at your guys to draft on that one, but if I would have saw that, I would have been like, wow, that's a, that is a heck of a pick. He, he had a pretty good year last year. I, I like Chris Carson. So um, they brought in a little bit of competition for him. Um, there's obviously still Rashad Penny there, but he can't stay healthy either. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Carlos Hyde, who just keeps bouncing around from team to team to team. He just won't die, man. He just keeps coming back. <laughs> yeah, I I, I, yeah, so if those two get hurt, somehow Carlos Hyde will have another 1,000 yards and end up on another team next year. Um, but, yeah, I like Chris Carson. I like Chris yeah. Carson. That was a good pick. Good value there. I agree. Um, moving forward to the next round here. Uh, this is just, again, another one of these personal strategies here. I, I kind of went back and forth on a couple different guys here. Um, but even though it's a dynasty league, just the fact to get him as my third quarterback here, I went with Drew Brees. Um, like I said, in the Superflex League, I want to roll out two quarterbacks I'm confident in every single week here. I feel like grabbing Drew Brees here gives me another year or two of a top 12 to 15 quarterback production at worst. Um, and, you know, there's I'm not always the biggest component of it. You have to sell every single guy off before they retire. You know, there's some guys I'm fine just letting them ride off into the sunset on my team. Um, I think Drew Brees is going to be a solid bet for a top 10 quarterback the next few years and to be able to have him as my third quarterback to play matchups with. Uh, just couldn't pass up on it here. Um, another guy I considered heavily here was Denzel Mims. Um, really, really think that he's big, you know, for a lot of the reasons that uh, you were high on Sam Darnold. You know, they've really looked to improve that offense there. Um, having him be a rookie there really gave me some pause, but if it's a super flex league, I'm going to try and be as realistic as possible. Round eight, this is kind of where I'm okay going a little bit older and grabbing some vets to, to fill out my teams to win now. Um, ADP of 86, give me Drew Brees. That's, you know, that's a, a phenomenal pick there. Um, I've noticed in, and I know not in our league, I haven't won the championship in our league, but I've seen in a couple other leagues that I have, whoever drafts Drew Brees, I don't know what, if it's like a curse or something, but they always seem to make it to the championship or win it. He seems to be a winner even in fantasy football because you can get him, uh, you know, in the later rounds like this or in the middle rounds, I guess. Um, Drew Brees, yeah, he always, always constantly is you know, throwing the ball around. I guess that's the best way to put it. Everybody knows Drew Brees. If, if he's there right there, you take him uh, definitely over Jimmy G and Teddy Bridgewater. So, I mean, that's not even a competition. So, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, like ignore our team here, this is really going to give me the chance now where I can pretty much ignore the quarterback position the rest of the draft and I can just stack up on my skill players. Um, really like where I'm sitting here through eight. Um, let's see, grand, end of round eight here, you have some really interesting names. Uh, who'd you go with? Uh, this one here, I floated between, uh, I mean, I'll just go over a couple of them. T Higgins. I actually loved him in college. Mm -hmm. Don't love him in Cincinnati. Um, and that was kind of a head scratcher for me. They have so many receivers in Cincinnati. It's unbelievable. So I'm staying away from him. Um, love the talent, but just not really the fit at the moment, maybe in a few years, Mm -hmm. but I want somebody in this round that's going to help me now. Um, I didn't go Justin Herbert. I, on this one, I went James Conner, not just because I'm a Steelers homer. Um, really, my strategy with any fantasy football league um, that I've adapted over the last 
probably year, year and a half is I try to load up on running back, no matter what league I'm in. doesn't matter if it's dynasty, doesn't matter if it's standard, any football or dynasty or fantasy football league I'm in. I always try to load up on running back because here's my thing. I know I can only start two or three of them a week, but if I'm hogging them, that means somebody else is not getting them. I'm taking away from my competition. That's why I'd love to draft so many running backs. Um, that's just my strategy. I think James Conner, I know he's been injured the last few years, but I do like him this year. It looks like he's had a healthy offseason. He's he's uh, getting back into shape um, with Pittsburgh, with Ben Roethlisberger coming back. They have so many weapons. They added Eric Ebron. I think it's really opened up for James Conner. And when he did play last year, which I know was not very much, he d- was pretty good. He was He was really good two years ago. Last year he was good when, like I said, when he did play. So I'm I'm high on James Conner right there. He's still young. Um, I'm gonna I would give him a chance in this league. Yeah, I mean it's a similar situation with what I did with Chris Carson around before that. I mean it's just for this late to get this chance to have a running back that's gonna finish inside the top 12 this year and possibly even a year out. Um, it, it's a really good value, and if it doesn't work out, you know you're almost looking at pick 100. So I mean it's not like you're out of it to the point where it's gonna be a pick that like costs you the lead by any means. Right. And, and and if he doesn't work out, I drafted these other running backs that it's that it's fine. So I'm, I can take a risk here. Yeah. So moving on to round nine, there's one guy here that I'm trying to get in every single one of my leagues. So I'm interested to see if you take him or which direction you go here. Uh, who is who is your pick in round nine? Can I just ask you, is it is it Mostert? It was not. Heck no. no. Oh, there's a guy here, man, that I have inside my top 60 that getting him clear down at like around the 90s is just ridiculous. Give me it all day. Uh, really, I went, I mean, there's a lot of, of talent here, um, that I think actually could win people their, their fantasy leagues. Um, but I went just by team needs here, um, just by how I was looking at it. And I went Hunter Henry here. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed a tight end. I did not have a tight end yet. I, I think that he's going to have a good year this year, um, in that San Diego or, or Los and not San Diego, Los Angeles offense. I, I went Hunter Henry here. I do see Marquise Brown is here as well. Yes, that was my guy right there. I want him in every single league this year. For me, and I know this will turn into a big discussion, I, I'm i not – maybe it's a Steelers-Homer thing, but I've been trying to tell everybody I'm not high on Lamar Jackson. In fantasy leagues with his rushing yards and everything, yes, in real life, I'm not high on Lamar Jackson at all. Um, I think once teams finally – get some tape on him and scout him out a little bit, AKA what Tennessee did in the playoffs. Um, if you have a good defense, that a front seven that can load up and stop Lamar Jackson, I, I don't think he's an accurate thrower. Um, and I, and we've seen it a couple times d- depending on how the, the defense, I mean, I could pull up game field of when the Steelers played him or, or when Tennessee played him. And I, when you put pressure on Lamar, he, he struggles to get the ball to his receivers. I, so I, I don't know. I'm not high on uh, Marquise Brown this year. That's just yeah. my opinion. No, it's it's fair. I'm I'm on the opposite train there. I'm I'm looking at like what he did last year with like that group of receivers and just like imagining that that is his floor moving forward. Um, I think Marquise Brown becomes like the legit wide receiver one this year. Um, you know they added some other guys there, Devin Duvernay. I think Miles Boykin's going to take a step forward this year. Um, I'm I'm very excited about there. He's always going to be a more of a, a run focused team there, but I, I do think that he still has room to improve as a passer. Um, another guy, a couple other guys in this group that I liked for you were Nikhil Harry and Michael Pittman. Man, there's some yeah. some good young wide receivers here this late. No, I I agree with you. I just I already had two receivers and I didn't have a tight end. That's why I went there. And and you'll see another pick I make here in a little bit that it, kind of why I didn't take a receiver here. 
Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, all right. So we're end of round nine right here. Um, this is where like, kind of like we have a similar strategy, but different, like where you like to load up on running backs early. I like to load up on running backs late. A um, couple guys here that I was looking at Darian, Darius Geis, Kareem Hunt, Marlon Mack, um, we're both huge on Jonathan Taylor. So I, w- I was not going to take Marlon Mack here. It really came down to Darius Geis and Kareem Hunt. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to go Darius Geis here, ADP of 103. Um, he has a legitimate chance to be the, the starting running back in Washington if uh, he can stay healthy. That's really been the biggest detriment to his game so far. When he's been out there in the limited time that we've seen him, he's he's explosive. He has all the physical tools of a running back one. He's just really got to put it together and stay healthy. Um, I'm I'm a little bit optimistic in the Washington offense this year. Like I don't think they're going to like jump up into the top half for total offense, but I do think they're not going to be the dumpster fire that they were last year. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Haskins guy. I think if guys can stay healthy, he's a nice piece. I really like the receivers they started to put there. Um, cautiously optimistic about this Washington offense. I'll add uh, Darius Geis as my running back three here. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. That's all it is, is uh, staying healthy for guys. Um, and the stars will, will line up. If he can stay healthy, it's good. He is... He is a beast. He is the man there. It's it's all about staying healthy, and I and I hope he does because three straight years of getting hurt might, I mean the Redskins might uh, move on if that happens again, and you know who knows when he'll get another chance. So I hope that he can put it together. Uh, you feel bad for him. So if he's healthy, you you make that pick. That's a good one. Yeah, especially outside of the top 100, really not a lot of risk there. Uh, moving down to my pick in round 10 here, a uh, couple other running backs were available, Carrion Johnson and Ronald Jones. I, I'll pass there. I'm, I'm a big DeAndre Swift guy, so I'm not really interested in Carrion Johnson. Um, Ronald Jones seems like he has you know a pretty big following, and I just – I don't see it. Like he may end up beating out Keyshawn Vaughn for the running back job this year, but I, I really don't think either of them are the answer long term. I think they look to add another running back in the draft next year, uh, and then you see Keyshawn Vaughn kind of float more into that uh, RB three role. So I'm just I'm not going to have a ton of Ronald Jones this year. I'm going to go with the veteran wide receiver here in T Y Hilton, ADP of 110 right now. Um, he's a guy that, especially as my wide receiver four on a dynasty team, I'm fine taking a little bit of a, a risk on his older age there. He should still have another year or two of top production if he can stay healthy. Uh, I'm not going to expecting a ton of a big drop off having Philip Rivers there. If anything, he's going to have a, a slight uptick in his production when he's on the field. Uh, so to get a guy like this outside the top 100 that has legit like wide receiver one potential on a weekly basis, uh, sign me up for that in round 10 all day. No, I like uh, T.Y. Hilton. That's why in our other league that we're drafting now, um, he was one of my keepers this year, even mm-hmm. though he's a little bit older, just because they added Phillip Rivers and Jonathan Taylor to kind of open things up. I, I'm like, OK, you know what? I'll, I'll give him a year. We'll see what happens uh, with a legit quarterback throwing to him. So I, I like T.Y. Hilton. Um, Ronald Jones, you were kind of talking about there for a minute. Um, standard leagues, if, if anybody's listening to my advice, uh, not dynasty leagues. I, I personally, I take Ronald Jones this year. I think he has a good year because of Brady, because of Gronk, Evans, Godwin. I think that opens it up for him to have a good year this year. But like you said, long term, I actually, he doesn't, even if he has 1,400 yards this year, I still think they move on and draft another running back or or Vaughn uh, will take it over next year. I don't think he uh, is the guy long term. But this year, because of the offense he's in, and so many weapons, I actually think he could have a decent year if he stays healthy, but not long term. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, but um, long term, I think that they will find a better running back, a more talented running back. But um, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. It's fair. I'm I'm on the opposite train. I'm just same thing. Even if he has 1,400 yards this year and 12 touchdowns, I'm still probably not going to be a full-on believer. <laughs> Right, right, right. Going, yeah, going forward. Yeah. Now, um, he could win, maybe help you win your league this year, but in Dynasty, you'll regret it. 
Yeah, I, I, I think I'd rather wait a little bit, take Keyshawn Vaughn. That's me personally. But yeah, hey, it's we never know that Brady offense has a has a lot of upside there with all those weapons there. So crazier things have I mean, happened. I mean, they were winning with James White and Rex Burkhead and and no name running backs in New England. So <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so kick it over to round. Let's see, what are we in round eleven now? Uh, the end of round ten. Oh yes, yes, yes. Who did you grab round ten here? This wasn't even a, a a hard choice for me, even though there are some good guys here. Uh, Deontay Johnson in a, in a dynasty league. I, I am in love with Deontay Johnson. He's the only one in Pittsburgh's offense last year with mediocre quarterback play that had a pretty good year. Um, I mean, there's there's footage of him, you know, making Tredavious White look look silly on the playing on the outside. I think he has a big year with Ben Roethlisberger, whereas I think Juju has a down year. I love Deontay Johnson, and I think he's um in redraft leagues next year you know it, it playing his way up into the you know fifth sixth round i i love deontay johnson in the pittsburgh's offense this year yeah it seems like he's a guy that's getting a lot of hype this year i'm personally i'm kind of more on the trend where i'm expecting a big juju bounce back this year but i mean you look at the physical skills deontay johnson has and you can't argue with it i mean he has a chance to be like a legit wide receiver one down the road i just i'm not convinced of the quarterback play there like yeah like, you know big ben Maybe he comes back and he has flashes of an old self, but like it's in general, it doesn't seem like a lot of quarterbacks get better after an injury to their throwing arm in their older age. Um, but I could be wrong there behind him. I, well, I hate all the backup quarterbacks you guys have there. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to invest heavily in the Pittsburgh passing game much at all this year. I don't think. Big Ben playing with a sling on his arm has got to be better than what Doug Hodges was doing. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, One of the guys um, (laughs) that I I was looking at here for your range that I I, kind of like is Brandon Cooks, um, ADP of 117. I mean, the concussions there are scary, but he played 16 games the last four years there. He got a chance to be the number one option for Sean Watson. Um, But again, those concussions are scary for a dynasty league. So I I can kind of see why you went Deontay Johnson. But those are kind of the two I would have really considered in this range if I was you. Yeah, Cooks is another solid pick. You can't go wrong with that one. Um, I like Brandon Cooks a lot, especially in in Houston's offense. But uh, Deontay Johnson's not. I think he's only like 22 years old. And yeah, just the potential super young. There. Um, yeah, I, that's why I'm going with him, just the potential there. Um, the top of round 11 here, um, I didn't really like too many people here. Um I'm definitely not going James White. I mean, there is Dallas Goddard there, but he's still kind of in a timeshare with Zach Ertz. Especially where you already grabbed uh, you grabbed Hunter Henry just a couple rounds ago too. Right. So I went uh, I went Philip Rivers here. I know not good okay. for me in a dynasty, um, but if something were to happen to Darnold or Daniel Jones, um, then I've got a you know a, a veteran right there, and especially this year with coronavirus, um, I'm actually a big believer that if, if some a quarterback was to, you know, get COVID and get coronavirus and has to miss like two weeks, I'm, I'm not against the idea of having an, a couple extra spare quarterbacks. No, definitely year, not. Yeah. Um, I think it's a smart idea to have at least two, two of them on your bench, just in case you never know what's going to happen. And, and Phillip Rivers is a reliable quarterback. I know not great for dynasty, but I think he can give you two years of being solid. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good pick there, too, um, especially in a super flex league. I think you're onto something having that extra quarterback on the bench. It's why I grabbed Drew Brees to be my quarterback three. So I had three through the top eight rounds. Um, really not a bad idea here. I, uh, Yeah, I hope that the, the virus isn't a huge issue during the season. But, I mean, it just it seems inevitable that it's going to be. Um, God, I don't know. Just hope that they're allowed to be put on the IR spots for your fantasy leagues if that does happen. Um, 
looking end around 11 for me here. Um, very good case example of why I rarely ever invest highly in the tight end position here. Um, I'm going to grab Austin Hooper with an ADP of 131 to be my first tight end here. Um, he's a guy that, you know, I like some of the some of the other guys they have around him, but I think he's going to be a top eight producer at the position for the next couple of years. I, I think Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns offense is going to bounce back in a big way from the disastrous campaign they had last year. Uh, so I'll take Austin Hooper at the end of round 11 to fill my tight end spot. Um, just the value to get a guy that can produce that much outside the top 130 is just too much value to pass up for me. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. When you first started to say the tight end, I actually thought you were going to say Gronk there. <laughs> no, not in a dynasty league, man. Like I'm just dude took a year off. Like was, was took a year off because he was physically so just banged up and mentally that wore down that he couldn't do it anymore. And like I mean, I think Isn't he's gonna he's gonna. To- was he trying to get away from Belichick? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I just <laughs> color me skeptical on him taking a year off and coming back and being that tight end one Rob Gronk that we used to have, especially in that offense. There's so many mouths to feed there. I just, I, I'm not going to own Gronk on any of my teams this year. And, you know, I'll, I'll be rooting for him. Like, I want to see that vintage Gronk, but I just, especially at, you know, ADP at 129, that's just, that's too high for me. If you get vintage Gronk like he was two to three years ago, uh, I would strongly think that Tampa Bay would be a Super Bowl favorite if, with those receivers and a vintage Gronk. Who the hell is going to stop them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he wasn't even vintage Gronk in his last year in New England. So I just, I, I, I'm, I'm out on him at that ADP there. Um, kicking over different, to, yeah. Uh, different, different convo for another day, but off the record, we should get a podcast and talk about what went down with New England because the way that Brady and Gronk got themselves out of New England and then just all of a sudden showed up in Tampa together, there's a conspiracy going on there. Like so many things fell into place for them to get out of there. It's crazy. That uh, 30 for 30 on the Patriots in a couple years is going to be crazy for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, All right. So moving on down to round 12 here. A couple guys I was eyeing here. I I really thought about Brian Edwards. He's the guy that uh, we talked about earlier that that's the Vegas Raiders uh, receiver I'm most likely to have on my team. Um, It sounds crazy. I see shades of Andre Johnson and Edwards, but this isn't my pick here. Um, Because I waited on running back, I'm going to grab Zach Moss, the guy that you talked about earlier here. Um, He's a guy I'm big on. Everything I'm hearing coming out of those Buffalo camps is that they love Zach Moss over there. Biggest knock on him, of course, is that Josh Allen is going to be their goal line running back there just because that's, you know, what running quarterbacks do. Um, but I do think that there's a very realistic chance that by the end of the year, he's uh, overtaken Devin Singletary, getting the most running back touches for this team. Um, he's a better fit to be using around the goal line than Devin Singletary as well, too. So those those two things, I think, are working for him. Um, getting him as my RB4 here at an ADP of 138, especially with that dynasty aspect being a rookie. Um, love the value for Zach Moss here at 138. Yeah, Zach Moss is an absolute freight train, not just because I'm from Utah. I'm a Utah guy. And, and, you know, he broke the rushing records at Utah. I mean, he he's just an absolute freight train. And they were a run first offense, kind of playing a little bit of a a West Coast run first offense. They didn't really like to throw the ball. He's a three year starter. I mean, he's, you know, got all the handles. He's been in the pressure moments. He's I, I love Zach Moss a lot. I was not happy that he got drafted to Buffalo. I was kind of scratching my head at that. Um, so now he'll just kind of have to crawl his way to the top spot. I thought he'd go somewhere where he could start from day one. So I was a little frustrated because I love the guy. But uh, I guess he'll just have to to win the job now. <laughs> so Yeah, well, I'm betting on it. I think that's what we're going to see by the end of the year for sure. Yep, yep. 
Uh, the end of round 12 here, I didn't really like some of these guys a lot. I've Julian Edelman, uh, not, I'm not so high on uh, Jared Stidman there. Jordan Howard, maybe for like one year, but long term, I don't like him. Winston, uh, not too sure what to think about him these days. Uh, I really want to like Brashard Perriman. I really do after he had a good year last year, but I I can't see myself drafting him here. So I went McCole Hardman mm-hmm. um, yeah. with Kansas City, mainly because I think that uh, as much as I think Sammy Watkins is talented. Um, he just can't. He doesn't really get the ball in Kansas City, which is kind well, of odd. And he was like, like talking about flirting with retirement already too, and that scares me when any football player starts talking about that. Right, and the speed that McCole Hardman has just to take as a wide, you can throw him in the slot and just take off the, you know, right past the safety. Just with Mahomes throwing it downfield, sixty yards. Um, I like Hardman right here. Yeah, that would have been my pick for you two out of this grouping here. He's a guy that uh, he's going to be hit and miss at the start when everybody's healthy there. But as soon as that first wide receiver injury happens, he's going to be a guy that you're going to plug and play in your lineup every single week. Um, You know, being a dynasty league, he's still insanely young. So he's just barely getting his career started. Um, He's going to be tied to one of the best quarterbacks in the game for at least the next couple of seasons. Hardman at 143 ADP. That's that's a great pick for you on that one. Um, He could become he could become a number one if Tyreek Hill screws up again. So, I mean, there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm interested to see round 13, who you go here, because if this was, you know, a real draft where it was just, you know, picking freely, uh, there's a guy from your tier here. I probably would have grabbed in the last round just to handcuff uh, Dalvin Cook, and that's Alexander Madison. Uh, But who'd you go with in round 13? Uh, To be honest, when I did this draft, um, I didn't look like towards later rounds on who I you know, potentially could have had. I just, I tried to do it fair and I was in like a real draft and I'm like, okay, here's my team needs. This Mm -hmm. is where I'm going. This is where I'm going. I didn't look you know, ahead to see and try to switch my picks. I went Tyler Higby here. Um, I would have known if I would have known I could have got Tyler Higby in the 13th round. Um, I would have went, I would not have chose Hunter Henry. I would have went somebody else because I think Tyler Higby is going to be a top four. Uh, maybe even a little bit higher tight end this year. I love wow. Tyler. Wow. I, okay. I, I, I like Tyler. He finished um, last year. Uh, I mean, he was winning people fantasy leagues. I, I love Tyler Higby um, in the fantasy football. So high on Tyler. Higby. I, I did it by podcast saying he's a guy you can't miss. I, I like Tyler Higby a lot. Yeah, that's a good pick there. Um, like I mentioned, real draft probably would have dipped down in 13, and I would have got Alexander Mad- Madison here instead of Zach Moss in the last round. Um, but my pick in round 13 is going to be right along the same lines of like what you said about Higby and why I wait on tight end. I'm going to go ahead and grab Mike Jacecki here to be my second tight end. Um, he's a guy that they love to use as a vertical threat in Miami. Um, his skill set is more of a receiver than a kind of a you know your standard blocking tight end. Um, I think he has a very good chance to lead the Dolphins in receiving yards this year. Um, so I'll grab him as my tight end too to uh, pair with Austin Hooper in rounds 11 and round 13. Um, that's how I'm going to attack the tight end position on my drafts. You're never really going to see me pay the premium to have a, a, a Greg Kittle, you know, a Zach Ertz, a guy like that at the top, Travis Kelsey. Um, I'll wait, grab a couple tight ends later, and I'll just play the matchups. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a good one. Also, I I like that pick, um, and I definitely I see Philip Philip Lindsay there too. I'm not high on him since they added Melvin Gordon, so that's a good mm-hmm. pick. Yeah, uh, uh, Philip Lindsay's probably my number two pick there of this group here. But yeah, I, I think Jacecki's going to be a guy that's uh, a very very good guy that's a weekly starter for you this year. 
Uh, round 14 for me, this is where it kind of starts to get a little bit dicey. Um, I'm not really a, a Tevin Coleman believer. Um, Adrian Peterson, no thank you. Jared Cook, no, I'm good there. Um, so I went with Paris Campbell, ADP of 161. Um, he's a guy in that Indianapolis, Indianapolis offense because kind of seems to be the forgotten guy. Um, of course, you know, they have T.Y. Hilton there, added Jonathan Taylor. But Paris Campbell, they invested a high draft pick in him just a year ago. Um, he didn't have, you know, that very good season last year, uh, fought through injuries. But I'm I'm a believer in Paris Campbell this year, especially as a guy that can have the wide receiver five or six. Um, love the upside here for Campbell. Yeah, that's a good pick, um, especially with uh, Phillip Rivers being there, like you said. So. He has a chance to to put up some numbers, so that's a good pick. Uh, not a not real a risky play. I mean, it's round fourteen, so if it doesn't pan out, then it's not uh, that big of a deal. So that's a good one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, who'd you go with here? Uh, to be honest, I thought this was a kind of a crazy crazy round. I kind of went back and forth. Um, I really want to go Juno Juno Smith here, but I just went tight end last round, so I'm like, because I do yeah. think he is going to have a good year as well. So uh, surprise, maybe a little bit surprisingly, I went Boston Scott. Um, okay. he, had a, he had a pretty good year um, last year, sharing the reins with Miles Sanders. Um, and I just I keep reading about him, and a lot of people are down on Miles Sanders this year, um, and they think Boston Scott is actually the running back you should own um, out of the two. I'm not so sure what I think about it, but as I read more and more, I'm like, it's round 14. You know what? Take him. Let's let's give him a shot. If he, I'm not going to start him. Uh, right now but and until i see some production but i'm like you know what i'll, I'll gamble and take a risk let's see if boston scott can uh, get some carries here yeah um i'm not a scott guy as much i i'm pretty big on miles sanders this year so i'm in that opposite camp um uh, but i think you know outside the top 160 you're looking at guys like him daryl henderson or darrington evans i don't think it's a bad pick there um J- john o. smith is a guy i like a lot in this range as well too so i think you're on to something with that one Next pick here. Um, holy cow! I think I. Uh, I'll be honest here. I think I. I missed around here. What do I got for? Oh shoot! Here? You get some extra stuff here. Then Who, who's it going to be? We're getting a pick that is live on the clock. Oh, holy cow! I chose my guy out of your pool. Uh, yeah, because I'm. I'm green. <laughs> well, it's so okay. <laughs> I hated all the guys in my pool, so we can make a trade here. There's a guy in your tier that I like better, anyways. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll make a tr- we'll make a trade. I'll I'll take out of the red here. I can't believe I did that. Uh, Chase Claypool then um, is who I want just because. Um, well, obviously I'm a I am a Steelers homer. Uh, I don't think this year he does much. Um, in fact, I think he's the fourth wide receiver between Deontay Johnson, Juju, and James Washington. But I know that Pittsburgh has absolutely no money um because they've given big contracts out to you know ben roethlisberger and and antonio brown that they're still paying for and things like that uh so i don't think james connor or well maybe james connor if he'll take a low ball deal but i don't think juju gets resigned this year i think i think connor's gone after this year yeah it it depends on how good of a year he has and and if he'll give a hometown discount Uh, to me i'm 50 50 on connor but i'm out on juju because all this writing is on the wall of Juju being out. He's probably going to get big money. They still have to pay TJ Watt. They still have to pay Minka Fitzpatrick. And I know they'll choose those two over Juju. And they keep drafting wide receivers high. Um, so I like Chase Claypool starting next year. So I'll roll the dice and leave him on my bench this year. 
Yeah, I think that's a good pick there, um, especially this late in the draft. Uh, I'll trust you on your Pittsburgh wide receivers here, so I'm not going to go push back on you too much there. Um, Claypool, I'm just interested to see with him just because he doesn't really fit the mold um, physically of the receivers that they've made stars out of in the past. Um, almost more of like a bigger, kind of faster tight end, more than a receiver almost. So I'm, I'm intrigued right. to see what they do with him for sure. Um, speaking of bigger, more athletic tight ends, since we made a trade on the clock here, um, I'm going to go ahead and grab uh, Irv Smith here. Uh, to be my third tight end. Um, he's a guy that I think is going to have a huge piece of the offense shift his way after Stephon Diggs takes off. Um, I think it's going to be split pretty close between him and Justin Jefferson, um, which is going to give Smith a chance to be a nice back end tight end one, uh, high end tight end two. Um, so I will grab him as my wide receiver, or excuse me, my tight end number three, and then that's going to free up my 20th round pick where I had grabbed a tight end before. Um, so yeah, we'll go Irv Smith Jr. here. Um, who did you go round 16 with? Round 16, well, it looks like I picked my right guys here. Um, I, went K, I went KJ Hamler. Um, I, I thought about taking Rashad Penny here just kind of as a risk that maybe, um, you know, if Chris Carson went down, maybe Rashad Penny would, find, Penny would uh, finally live up to his first-round billing. Um, but I like KJ Hamler here in Denver's offense. Uh, Drew Locke taking another step forward. Um, this year, I really like Drew Locke, and so – um, I like his long-term, uh, his long-term value, KJ Hamler. So that was my pick. Nice. I think that's a really good pick there. Um, I think that he's going to be the guy that's a field stretcher there while uh, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton just absolutely ate up everything on the inside underneath. Um, he's going to be the guy that's going to get vertical and be the big play guy there, getting a guy with that much upside on a weekly basis, even if you have to wait a year or two for it. Um, that's really good value there. Uh, for me, I guess we kind of got off track here at the top of the 16th round. Um, I'm looking to like just beef up my running backs here. I'm going to go with uh, Anthony McFarlane, a uh, rookie from Pittsburgh. Um, I know you're bigger on another one of the running backs there, but I think he has a very good chance to sneak into the RB2 job this year. Um, he's a really good pass catcher, so I think that he's going to be able to uh, carve out that role for your PPR leagues as well. Uh, with an ADP of 185, I'll go Anthony McFarlane here in the 16th. Yeah, that's good. It's uh, with, and I mean, like we said, I, 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 you know, know a lot and I study a lot about what the Steelers are doing, but their running backs, I'm not so sure. I was shocked when they took Anthony McFarland. Um, to me, that is a, a definitely in the future kind of move, or he could be a third down running back this year to James Conner. Um, I'd like Benny Snell Jr. Um, in between the tackles, though, if Conner goes down as a one of those power backs. He came out of Kentucky and, and he had a nice year last year when Conner got down until he got hurt himself. Um but Anthony McFarland, I like him and Benny Snell as a one-two punch over the next few years. And I think that's what is eventually going to happen is Benny Snell will be first and second. Anthony McFarland will come in on passing situations. Um, and I mean, we'll have to see. I haven't mm-hmm. seen Anthony McFarland running in between the tackles, but I know that, you know, they drafted Benny Snell Jr. pretty high as well. So it, it's kind of just a wait and see. They're going to be in a total rebuild here in about two years. So. I don't know, man. Your guys' defense can keep you afloat if you can just get a few pieces to click on offense. I don't, I don't know if you guys will be one of those teams that has to go into that full, full rebuild. The thing that you're going to see here, and and unless they can get high enough to get a decent quarterback, um, I know for a fact that they still think Mason Rudolph has potential. So um, that is going to be interesting. Mason Rudolph at times last year, showed potential other times he was absolutely disastrous uh, but there were times he made throws where i was like you know what there's the guy that we drafted in the third round uh, that we traded up for so it's hopefully with maybe another year under ben rudolph can 
uh, turn out to be something when Ben retires. But I, right now I'm still on the fence. So, but if he sucks, then they'll get you know a top five pick and uh, yeah. here in a couple of years. And so, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's there you go. That's what I think about Anthony McFarland. Hey, okay, fair enough. All right, let's keep this moving here. We got four more rounds. Uh, top of round seventeen. Who did you go with here? Uh, kind of like what you were saying just a second ago about um, you know, fixing up your running backs. I went Latavius Murray here. Um, Jalen Samuels is there, and I actually like Jalen Samuels a lot. We're not going to keep getting into this Pittsburgh Steelers stuff, but I actually don't think he makes the roster this year. They have so many running backs. Eventually, mm-hmm. after trading camp, I think he gets cut. Even though I do like the kid, um, Gerald Everett, I already have um, Higby, so I went Latavius Murray here. I still think he gets a decent amount mm-hmm. of carries. Interesting. Okay. Yeah with the uh, Saints this year. I know they have Kamara, but I think he still gets a fair amount of carries as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a nice safe pick here around 17. I, I would have looked at Josh Kelly here at the top just because I, I think that uh, behind Austin Eckler, they're going to need somebody to help take some of those carries in between the 20s. Um, you think you think he'll get more than Justin Jackson? Uh, no, not this year, but I think by next year, I think that, that it'll probably be like a Kelly-Eckler split. Um right. But, it, again, I, I can't blame you here. Latavius Murray, I definitely feel safer about his role, especially if you're wanting a guy that's going to help produce this year and, like, you know, buy weeks and things like that. All right. Um, all right. So, end of round 17 here. Uh, I won't lie. I did not love a lot of my options here. I'm not I'm not a huge <laughs> James Washington guy. Um, like I said, I'm partly because I am a big Juju guy, and I prefer Deontay to Washington. Um, right. Not, not really right. big on any of the Vegas receivers. So, like, I looked at Hunter Renfro a little bit here, but I just – you know, I went heavy on receivers early, so I feel like I could kind of pass here and keep adding to running back. Um, Jamal Williams, no thank you. I'm a big A.J. Dillon guy, so I, I think that he's going to be like this RB2 this year and the starter moving forward. Um, so it really came down to Lynn Bowden or Damian Harris for me. Um, I'm going to go with Damian Harris here. Just, again, I'm not huge on that Vegas offense. And, like, I think that they're really, like, you know, a top five quarterback away from really seeing what that offense is going to look like for the long term. So I don't think you can really safely invest in many of those guys there. Um, so I'll go Damian Harris here. Um, I'm not a big Sony Michelle guy you know the Patriots are going to split it up between a couple different running backs and I do think Harris actually has a skill set that's a little bit more versatile than anybody else there um, which is kind of big for me because I'm a, I'm a big Georgia football guy for college so you know I want Sony Michelle to do good but I think Harris kind of has a skill set that could win leagues for you um, if he ends up hitting you know you get him outside the top 200 and I do think there's a realistic chance that he finishes as a top 24 running back maybe even as soon as this year the Patriots are going to want to run the ball they're not going to want Stidham Brian Hoard or be airing it out 40 times a game um, so especially you know this late outside the top 200 i'll go damian harris here you know he's my let's see one two three my sixth running back on my team here so i think that's that's good value good risk if it doesn't work you know you cut him and you move on yep uh no that's a good safe pick and like you just said that's going to be the patriots game plan is to try to play defense and and run the ball and we'll see what the sony michelle i sony michelle i i'm I'm pretty confident. I don't know Belichick. He likes to pull surprises out. It will get the first crack at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that, uh, well, I, I guess we'll see. I don't know a lot about Jared Stittman, to be honest with you. So for me, it's a good pick. I guess we'll have to wait and see what uh, New England does. Maybe he'll come out and, you know, he'll be pretty good. I, I, I'm not confident in that, but I'm not taking any Stittman. Or to be honest, I don't. I think I'm staying away from pretty much all New England Patriots this year. Yeah, there's not a ton of them I'm really going to have on a lot of my teams. I, I would be interested to go through my rosters and see how many I own. I'm, I don't actually know if I have a single uh, Patriot on any of my Dynasty Leagues right now. That offense is just so much of an unknown. It's it's, it's tough to invest. Somebody's going to be good there, um, but it's probably going to be Julian Edelman for like a year or two. And then after that, who who has any idea? You know, Edelman could be trade bait too towards the middle of the year if 
if the Patriots are 0 and 6 or 0 and 7 or you know 1 and 5, mm-hmm. whatever it is, they could try to dangle Julian Edelman to a playoff contender for a mid round pick. I could see the Patriots, especially if they can get like Nikhil Harry to step up and show that he has you know even the guts there to be like an RB two or excuse me a wide receiver two. Um, I think that you could really see them them move on from Edelman. Um, yeah, he's he seems like. Uh, to me, kind of a, uh, and I'm trying to stay professional on the call here, kind of a, uh, kind of a cocky guy, you know, when, when Brady was getting him the ball, he definitely likes to talk smack. So uh, I think it'll be kind of funny this year when he's not getting those catches through the middle because nobody can get him the ball. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see Julian Edelman come back down to earth because he liked to run his mouth when he had Brady throwing to him. Oh man, we say that now, but we all know the Patriots are going to find a way to win like 10 games and win the division still. <laughs> I can't. I can't think. I, I'm a Steelers guy, and I can't. I, I, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to, for those fans to keep quiet for at least a year. Oh man, I I got to see it before I believe it. I feel like they're just going to be like the Spurs, where just every year they find a way to sneak into the playoffs, like even when everyone counts them out completely. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, let's move it over. Uh, round 18 here. Um, I won't lie. I had a really really hard look at Mitch Trubisky here just because I know it is a super flex league and to get a potential starting quarterback outside the top 200. I, I, it was tough to pass up on him here. If I, if I didn't have Drew Brees as my quarterback three already, that's probably the direction I would have went. Um, but I ended up just, you know, wanting to keep add to that running back stable here this late. Um, I want all the lottery tickets. I can, excuse me, lottery tickets I can get just because, you know, the, the injury uh, rate at the running back position just is so high and so prevalent. Um, so I went with Chase Edmonds here. Um, I think he's going to be the bona fide number two this year behind Kenyon Drake. Uh, long term, you got to look out for Eno Benjamin here. I think he was much more talented than the seventh round pick that uh, he got chosen with. I would have probably looked at him around uh, end of round four, round five. Um, but I do think Edmonds this year has a chance to have a little bit of a value, like kind of a, in between uh, bye weeks. And then if Kenyon Drake gets injured, you know, then plug him in. You saw what he did in a few games last year when he was the guy. He exploded huge, huge fantasy weeks. Um, so with an ADP of 209 in round 18, I'll go chase Edmonds here as my final running back on my team. Yeah, that's a good pick, especially uh, that kind of value as a as a handcuff there. Um, very, very good pick. Um, when I look at my team, I uh, or my picks here in round 18 for what I have to choose from, I'm not really a fan of uh, hardly any of them, really. Um, Cameron Bray, no. Uh, they still have O.J. Howard and Gronk there. Um, so what I went through here, and honestly, I don't plan on playing him. I mean, it would have to be an emergency situation, but um, I went Naheem Hines. Here. Yes, I think that's, Mar- that's the right pick, I think. <clears throat> yeah, 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 I went him. I still think he's going to get catches in a PPR league as a, you know, out of the backfield. Uh, Marlon Mack, I, even though I like Marlon Mack, once Jonathan Taylor beats him out, I could actually see Marlon Mack getting cut, uh, maybe even outside of uh, outside of training camp if they just want to fully go with Jonathan Taylor. Um, I could see him being kind of a cap casualty, even though I like Marlon Mack. I've seen those type of things happen before, um, but I like Naheem Hines right here uh, to get it for for PPR. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be the third down back this year. And with even once Jonathan Taylor takes a job over, I think they're still going to have Hines involved there. I think at ADP at 212, that's that's an incredible pick this late. Yeah, uh, I, Marlon Mack's the odd man out there. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, let's keep her moving on. Round 19 here. Um, who'd you go with? Once again, not uh, <laughs> didn't really like hardly anybody here. Um, Kenny Stills, the only one I really like in – that's not my pick, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. Kenny Stills, uh, the only one I really like in Houston's offense this year is really Brandon Cooks. Um, those other receivers, I think they're just going to kind of – I think they have four of them that are pretty good. Cooks, Kenny Stills, and two other ones. Oh, Will Fuller. 
Yeah, Will Fuller, and I think there's one more. Um, uh, they signed Randall Cobb, too. Yeah, yeah, Randall Cobb. So it's like, mm-hmm. what in the world is going on there? Um, I don't, So I don't really know the order outside of Cooks where people are going to be lining up and who's going to be catching what. So I'm staying away from him, even though he should probably be the pick. Um, I'm going Eric Ebron here. I know he's my third tight end. I got – yeah, he, so he'll be my third tight end. I got Higby. I got Hunter Henry. And I'll go Eric Ebron here. Um, I think just playing with all that talent in Pittsburgh with those wide receivers, he's going to get um, opportunities in the end zone and then over the middle if he can stay healthy. Um, they signed him to a pretty good deal. So uh, not a lot of risk here in round 19. So I'll go Ebron. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good pick there. Um, I am not a, any, a big fan of a lot of the guys there. I think uh, Alan Lazard would have been a guy that maybe you take a look at. I think he's got a sneaky chance to really seize a, a decent-sized role there in Green Bay. But, you know, that, that position, at the, the quarterback position there is a little bit uh, up in the air after this year. I'm not really sure what's going to happen there. So I think Ebron's a nice, safe pick here. Uh, for me, round 19, um, like I mentioned earlier, I'm cautiously optimistic about that Washington offense. So I'm going to get a guy I love here, a guy that I would take a, two rounds earlier than this, and that's Steven Sims, uh, Washington wide yeah, receiver. ADP of 228. Um, I see almost zero chance of him not outperforming that ADP if he stays healthy. He's going to be the guy that plays in the slot. He's going to be the PPR monster kind of playing more of that, that Julian Edelman type underneath role. Um, if leagues give you awards for return yards, he's got a chance to make a little bit of an impact there as well, too. Um, so getting him at 228 to be, you know, my wide receiver, like seven or eight, I think that's excellent value there. Again, if it doesn't work out, you cut him and move on. Um, and then wrapping it up for round 20, what we did here is anyone with an ADP of 229 or later, we just kind of list them out and you get to pick one. Um, again, keeping with that same theme of that Washington offense, I'm going to take a rookie and Antonio Gandy-Golden here to be my wide receiver eight to wrap up my team. Um, I think he's a guy that physically has the tools of like a guy that should have gone on probably round two, round three in the draft. Um, small school guy, but when you go back and watch his film, man, he was dominant. That entire offense for him at Liberty was just throw the ball up to him, let him go catch it, move him down the field. Um, he's a guy that I think has legitimate wide receiver one potential down the road if he can develop how I think he's going to. Um, give me Antonio Gandy Golden here, his ADP at 242 to wrap up my team. Um, and now I'll kick it over to you. Yeah, this pick here, since I've got, you know, on the board here, I can kind of pick whoever I want here. Um, my pick should be, but it's not. Taysom Hill just to get another quarterback there that seems to be lying in wait there to be the starter there. They seem to love him. You know, Sean Payton never really says anything bad about him, even though they signed Jameis Winston. I still think they cut him next year and Taysom Hill will be the guy. Um, You know, I followed a lot of Taysom Hill. I actually, no joke, I'm the same age as Taysom Hill. I tackled him in grid kid football. He played for Uh Island. I played. He played for Highland. I was at Snake River because um, he went to Pocatello. And we used to have to play them when we were younger. And now I'm sitting here doing podcasts, overweight, and Taysom Hill is <laughs> making millions of dollars. So that's what I like to tell people. Uh, maybe not overweight. I shouldn't tell people that. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So that's who should be my pick. But I'm go. I'm not planning on anybody in round 20 actually contributing unless it's you know I'm going far into the woodshed here. I'm going to take Antonio Brown. I'm going to put a flyer on him. Okay. Uh, main, mainly just because um, it looked like he just kind of settled out of court just recently and didn't get in as in much trouble as he probably should have. I am. I know he's absolutely off his rocker. Everybody kind of knows that he's always in a lot of trouble, but if he could end up with Baltimore 
or um, Seattle. I think, um, do I think that he could shape up in the offseason? Absolutely not. But do I think that he could shut his mouth and play football for a few weeks during the year? Yeah, I think he could, especially if he got in Baltimore, because there's nothing more that Antonio Brown would want to do than to stick it to the Steelers and with their all-time rival. If he could end up there with Lamar Jackson, which he doesn't hide on social media, that mm-hmm. that's what he wants to do. He, I mean, he puts himself in Ravens jerseys and pictures on social media all the time. Um, so I'm not, like I said, I'm not expecting anybody in round 20 to to really contribute to the team, but if if I have Antonio Brown just sitting there as a free agent and he happens to sign in with another team, you're probably starting Antonio Brown and then you're going to, you know, be hopefully right there with Antonio Brown to win your league. Cause I mean, when he was playing, I thought he was the most dominant receiver there for his size and he was catching everything. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Yeah, no, I think it's so, a good pick. If it doesn't work by week two, act three, he's not signed. You cut it when you move on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Take him with your last pick, especially if there's 20 rounds in a draft and he's still there. No no hurt there. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's do a quick run through to kind of review our teams here real quick. Um, so for me, um, I got a quarterback, Carson Wentz, Matt Stafford, Drew Brees. Um, my running back stable got Dalvin Cook, Chris Carson, Darius Geis, Zach Moss, Anthony McFarland, Damian Harris, Chase Edmonds, um, wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, Kenny Galladay, Stephon Diggs, T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, um, not Anthony Miller because we made a trade in that round. So I have Irv Smith Jr. <laughs> instead. Um, and then I got Steven Sims and Antonio Gandy-Golden to round it out. Um, and then to tight end position, Austin Hooper, Mike Gisecki, Irv Smith Jr. Man, give me that squad in a dynasty league all day long. No, that's a, that's a good one. For me, I've got uh, quarterback Daniel Jones, uh, Sam Darnold, and then Phillip Rivers. Running back, I got Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, James Conner, uh, let's see here, Boston Scott, Latavius Murphy, uh, Naheem Hines, wide receiver Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson, Deontay Johnson, let's see here, McCole Hardman, Chase Claypool, KJ Hamler, Antonio Brown, which hopefully uh, he signs with somebody good. Uh, tight end Hunter Henry, uh, Tyler Higby, who I got so late and I'm so excited for uh, in this draft. Um, I love Tyler Higby this year. Um, and, and honestly, I'm going to throw him and slip him past Hunter Henry on my depth chart here immediately. Right. Uh, okay. Eric, Eric Ebron, um, you know, just in case Hunter Henry gets hurt for another two months. Um, yeah, so I... I like my squad. Um, I don't really expect a lot of my bench guys to contribute all that much, except for, uh, you know, Higby, Rivers, McCole Hardman, um, maybe Boston Scott. Um, but towards the later rounds, I don't expect them to, to do too much. So I, I really like my starters here, if, is the way I'm saying it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I think we have a similar strategy in like stacking our bench with high upside guys that may not play much this year, but in a dynasty league could be guys that turn into starters for you down the road. I think we have a very, very similar mindset in that. I agree. So, yep, there's me and you will play in the championship here against some of these other guys. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Perfect. Well, hey, man, we'll get you wrapped up. I know we got some stuff coming up here soon for you. So uh, tell us where we can find you, some of the other work that you're doing and uh, where all we can find your work. Yeah, you guys can find me on on Twitter at real underscore Matt underscore H. Um, I've started a podcast that I've started doing every week. Um, I know everybody's got their own podcast these days, but um, I kind of do just different topics every week. Last week I did, uh, you know, my top uh, my top 10 running back rankings, 
um, the first week I went through and told you the the players that you should not draft and who you should be drafting. So different topic every week. Um, you know, I've played fantasy football over 10 years. I played with Jordan in different fantasy leagues um, for, you know, probably the last five, six years, something along that. So I have tons of experience. I've won fantasy football. So um, I'd love to help you guys win your fantasy football championships as well. Um, my podcast is called The Fantasy Bro because uh, it's hard to find a good name these days since everybody's got a podcast. And uh, <laughs> and uh, that's on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You just have to type in The Fantasy Bro and it'll pull up. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll have a lot of good content for you this upcoming season. Yeah, definitely go subscribe to that podcast. I've listened to the first few episodes, and it's it's good. It's a good listen. I like it, so definitely go subscribe there. Follow him on Twitter. Um, and yeah, and I'm sure I'll have you back on at some point, and I'm sure I'll probably pop onto your show at some point down the road. So I look forward to the next oh, yeah. time we do this again, man. Hey, thank you for having me, Jordan. Absolutely.